This episode is brought to you by the Project Manga Patreon, the best way for viewers to support the project and allow us a means to keep providing new and quality content to our subscribers. Go to patreon.com slash projectmanga and find out more about the perks we have available to patrons, including early access to all of our content and exclusive videos like behind-the-scenes footage and additional manga reviews. That's patreon.com slash projectmanga. All right, let's get into the episode. Welcome back to the Project Manga Podcast, where we cover Ayashimon, Mission Yozakura Family, Jujutsu Kaisen, My Hero Academia, and One Piece week to week. Back this week covering Weekly Shonen Jump issues number 15 and 16. I am your host, Eagle. And I'm Melo Yenis. Apologies for the wait. Um, last week there was scheduling nightmares, and this week as well, you can see Knox not, is not here. So, you know, again, just some more scheduling issues this week. So it'll just be the two of us. We got a bit of a hefty episode. We've got two chapters for most of the series here tonight. So um, we'll try and just get right into things. As always, before we get started, we would ask that you guys take a look in that description box down below where you can find links to any and all of our individual social media accounts, such as Twitter, online communities like Discord, audio listening platforms to consume the podcast on as well as links to support the podcast such as our patreon or our online store also in more news this week um you guys may not have been keeping up with the project manga twitter and polls and such we've been running but we did ask you guys to decide for us which series you would like us to replace dr stone with on the show and you have decided on sakamoto days so <laughs> Tonight, we will be having kind of just a brief discussion on the series overall and how we feel about it. Um, kind of an introductory segment to the show that will, again, allow us to give our thoughts overall on the series and allow you guys to kind of catch up with the series if you want to be current along with us in the weekly analysis. So, with that being said, <sighs> what a weekend jump. I mean, we might as well get right into it. We got a lot to talk about tonight. So, starting with last week's chapter of Ayashimon, chapter 15, always having a blast. And this was a big chapter for my boy Ten, man. I was loving this chapter because, as I yes. said in the last review, um, I, I was looking forward to, you know, hopefully seeing a big chapter from Ten and not seeing him get folded in this fight or, or try and bitch out of it. So, I was glad to see him kind of uh, nut up like he did, you know? Yeah, I'm so I'm really happy that the bridge was used. Yes, uh, just you did like call I, the bridge I, being I used. Predicted. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yes, he's got a he's got his little ceiling. Watch out! But like right. him pulling things from the top of the bridge to the ceiling part of the bridge and dropping it on Waku was fantastic. I didn't really know what was going on with that. I was like. That's pretty cool. I like that, like, the mask, like, enhances his abilities to, like, do that. And, like, it, I mean, it's, motorcycles are actually pretty fucking heavy, if, if you don't know. But, like, they're pretty hefty. Like, getting dr those dropped on you is oh yeah brutal. Brutal. I mean, just the engine uh, people... alone is, like, a few, like, a few hundred pounds, if not, like, you know, high hundreds, maybe to a thousand. I don't know. I don't know exactly. Yeah. 
how heavy a motorcycle engine is, but I know it's fucking it's, heavy. Oh yeah, no. Uh, people can get trapped underneath it easily if it like tips on top of you. Yeah, if like, it tips uh, on top like, of you, like a you're horse falls on stuck. you. It's like one, that. one, one. If one falls on <laughs> you, you're fucking stuck. <laughs> this dude got like thirty-seven fucking like a hundred of them dropped on him. Oh it's yeah, like, no, it was a hundred. That was yeah, yeah, it was a hundred. Oh man, no, that's great. I like Waku. He's just like, he's like, oh, is my baby all right? Oh, not a single scratch. Oh, it's coming though. Right. Oh man, like I really appreciate like Waku being the device that he is. Right. You know, he's like. He's kind of emphasizing the idea that Yashimon are supposed to be feared. Yeah. Like, I really love the, his, like, like wooden fish bell face opening up yeah. into all those, like... It's like a tire, right? Um, uh, yeah, a little bit more tire-like, for sure, as he gets those little, like, ridges on his face. As, like, because he's a burning wheel yokai, the tread. I like that his, like, his, like... Yeah, he got gains the tread because he had like this rubber like tire looking mane, and then that sets on fire, and then the wooden fish part of his face gets the treads, and I'm like, yeah, maintaining the wheels. I like it. I like it. Hell yeah! Like I really like his like display of aggression. At, you know, page two for Waku. Yes. And and um, add some human punk and a baby girl, a baby only girl to the mix. You'd expect me to be scared. A real Ashimon makes others fear them as he's just flexing up full mask. That mm. mouth, like you said, opened up. He's got like the, just the spikes. I don't know. It's weird how the teeth, the tire opens up and there's teeth in it. But honestly, it makes sense. Looks like tire gauges. Oh, like. or like winter. You know, some tires like in uh, certain states they have. Like spiked tires are legal. They have like studded oh, tires. Oh, you know? that's cool. Yeah, I don't live in a state that does that. So Iowa, um, they're legal yeah. in Iowa. I don't know. I, should, I guess sorry, to be I honest, I don't drive. Expose where you live. <laughs> sorry. Hello, you'll never find me. Nah. I'll run into a cornfield maze, and <laughs> that's funny as fuck. Never gonna happen. Got him. No. Uh, anyways. Yeah, no, I really liked also this uh, this flashback that we got from Ten on this old granny Ayashimon too that he kind of was, you know, seeing out as she faded away because nobody really believed in her anymore, um, or nobody yeah. really feared her anymore because just of the kind of civilization, I guess. Yeah, encroaching more in out world. into the fucking you know the boonies where they were still be able to scare people, and um, she's telling Ten basically like yeah, out here you can't really survive because they have they have their lights on the ceiling and people don't really care about shadows anywhere anymore anyways. So, kind of basically told him to go to the city and and become a you know somebody's bitch, didn't she? I mean, she was like, hey, try to make some work. Yeah. Uh, but like it it kind of makes sense I like that trajectory because like you know people used to be afraid of the dark a lot and like people still are but not as much as they are nowadays because we have all these electric lights like I remember Dr. Stone having this moment where like yes that is a sea of lights 
Yep. That is like an ocean of light in the middle of the darkness. And like that's safety. That's home, you know? Yeah. Um so like I get it. Plus I like the idea that like in modern times, as as like communities modernize, right? Like people leave the countryside more and more often to migrate to the city because that is where the jobs are. That's where the money is. And I like how the yokai kind of mimic humans in that way because they also need currency. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea that like, hey, you know, money is the only thing that like humans still like believe in. So collect that and you'll have the belief to sustain you. And I'm like, that's that's kind of cold, man. Uh, I like that read on humanity. That's chill. Well, I mean, they're made of money, right? So she's got to like, he's got to basically use it as a ritual sacrifice, kind of. Mm-hmm. As she implies. Um, yeah, because she says on page four. The only way you'll survive is to use money as an object of worship for you to possess. Money yep. is the one offering humans still give in this age. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, no, he ends up getting, like, a bunch of grunt work. He's treated like a shitty intern. Yeah, which we saw at the beginning um, of the story. You know, we we, mm-hmm. we saw his boss get his ass whooped. So, I, I really dig it. Watching these people. He's just like, yeah, I remember that guy getting his head knocked clear off. You know, he's scared... Uh, one of the heads of the new Keo organization, like, he's like, I really believe in Moro, and he's just a human dude. He's just a guy. Right, that you know, dude, that dude get, did get his shit mollywopped. The lava head guy <laughs> or whatever. Decapito. Yeah. Love that. Um, I love that Moro is just like, oh, I'm being dropped by like such a height. That's the most manga murder attempt I've ever experienced. Right. As he just buries his fist into the skyscraper and, like, nails on a chalkboard, drags through it. And I'm like, you tough little bastard. I love that. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure you did actually call um, him doing that, you know, dragging his, you know, or or at least we talked about it on the show, you know, the possibility of him. You know, dragging his way down the building. I, th- you know, we all we all definitely thought that was a, a for sure possibility on how this would kind of go down here. So another kill secured. Excellent. But yeah, it's uh, you know, obviously not the most you know realistic thing, but it's awesome to see Mauro coming through. Obviously. Yeah, he's Marabito, so I'm I'm gonna be okay with him just doing Herculean feats of strength at this point. Also, like, page nine, Kotan just staring in horror, like, wait, what? Yeah, like, <laughs> damn. Oh, I don't want him to... He punched me? Yeah, I don't need that. <laughs> but yeah, it was great to see that resolve from Ten, where he's, you know, just thinking about Mauro in that sense, where, like, he never gives up. He always is excited about, you know, um, situations that present obstacles, you know, and uh, disadvantageous situations that you know are like manga and so he's like you know if he can make it work if he can stand up in the face of these you know threats and fears and obstacles then i can too you know i have to yeah so that was that was nice to see he's like it's not just me anymore i got people's like pride riding on me and uh, i respect the fuck out of those people so like i need to step up 
I'm like, aw, that's that's really cute. Ten. Um, I still like Waku's spinning ability. That's just hilarious. I like the whole like cross section of the of the street where he's just like, kapa and flip. Yep. Like, the hellish ground. Yeah. Although, why would he know? Why would he do this knowing the type of Ayashimon? tennis like that just seems like kind of um, you, you know, know he probably doesn't consider it a ceiling right like he views it as a like he perceives it as a bridge yeah he's like this is a floor it's a thing he doesn't really think about ceilings and then he's like also underestimating 10 like the entire time he doesn't think about like oh yeah like even his old even Ten's old boss said your ability to hide in ceilings is useless in a ritual doing he's like what are you gonna do hide from me pop out for me like i'm still gonna you know smack you around go pa pa and right. like make your head spin so like yeah, i just don't sure. think he was considering 10 even a threat of any, uh, in any yeah way, shape, he was like what are you gonna do and i was like oh you're dropping my bike oh fuck like mm -hmm. it broke his concentration to the point that he literally dropped his mask and went sprinting for it So yeah. I'm really excited about that. It was like kind of funny. I was like, because I, I like that he's panicked and then, yeah, just avalanche cars. I think Waku's KO'd at that point because like I, the mask seems to like bolster them physically. Yeah. And I think that like he was not ready for that lot, like onslaught because concentration was so broken trying to like take care of his bike. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he's bleeding from his nose and his mouth and his eyes are all whited out like he's knocked the fuck out, you know. In this last panel on page, mm -hmm. uh, or second to last eyes panel, white. I should say, on page mm -hmm. 19, 18, yeah, 19, yeah. Devil's Spread. I think he's been KO'd, and, like, that's hilarious. Like, Waku got wiped by 10, that's great. Love that. Our boy's stock is rising. I'm here for it. I wanted it. I wanted it, man. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that about covers things for this chapter and is a pretty nice segue for um, moving into the next chapter. Chapter 16 of Ayashi Mon, Only You. And we start off with the, um, you know, the aftermath of this motorcycle waterfall. Um Ten kind of like, damn, I just really wrecked all these dudes' bikes. They're about to come down here and try and beat the fuck out of me. Y'all about to hide in the ceiling until this shit is over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he knows what he did. Like, no, like, some people, like, love their bikes. Like, if you look at it wrong, they're like, bro, you want to fucking fight? And I'm like, I'm just getting, like, to-go food. Yeah. <laughs> like, get over I'm it. I'm fucking like, dead, yo. Bro, I'm just here <laughs> to pick my food up. Dude, uh, I like today the weather was beautiful and like a billion motorcyclists were just running around playing their music. Like one dude had like some pretty good tunes, but the others are just like, you know, dad rock kind of shit, like Buck Cherry and mm -hmm. I and like kind of generic country. And I was like, ah, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that kind of leads us into the Mauro scene, which predominantly you know is is the rest of the chapter um so we start off with him like hanging from the building basically and he's oh this is so cool it's just like a manga and um urara is like yo quit fucking around man get on some flat ground you're just hanging there and i really love this scene from kotone where he's like man what a kid like 
holy shit, I'll admit it, you're pretty rocking. And he's like, I don't hate guys like you. You know what I'm saying? And this just fuels that conversation we were having about, obviously we think Cotone will be an ally at the end of this kind of confrontation here, that he will be swayed over to the side of of uh, believing in Mauro and Ten, especially after Ten beat um, Wako, Waku, um, with how much they viewed, with how big of a bitch they viewed Ten being, or as being, I should say. Mm-hmm. That is definitely a feat, you know, worthy of respect. Like, damn, you beat one of my, one of my top two guys, bro. You like you, yeah. you legit got him. So just, I definitely think that we're you know being led along that road of of acceptance for the gang. Obviously, that's you know kind of the route we thought it was going. That makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. But another thing I really love about this chapter is the stakes that are kind of established for this telepathic connection between Mauro and Urara where yeah he gets bopped on his fucking head with this stone and like he's like oh that was close man that actually kind of hurt and he's like hello yo are you there and then we go over to her and she's like <laughs> and we learned that um, split. we learned that like through this telepathic connection they actually share of, uh, they pain. have like a share yeah that they share the pain that the they experience so this not only establishes stakes in it right mm-hmm. um but like it through shows- that through that it's gonna force growth in Mauro where he's gonna have to stop being so headlong in these fights he's really gonna have to be more calculated about the damage he takes and the risks he takes in these fights because of this I really do hope that he learns about it it would make sense that he did that he does. Because, like I said, it would force that growth in him, and uh, I think it would mm-hmm. it would feel really good to see him grow that way. Uh, oh, because yeah. because while it is cool seeing him just run headlong into the fights, you definitely want to see him grow into the more you know cold, calculated kind of I'm a, I'm about this business type character, you know. Yeah, I like it because like he is not aware of this going right now, but like yeah. once he's aware. He'll be a little more mindful because he's like, hey, you know, I'm protecting you. What's the point of protecting you if you're still going to get hurt anyway? But I do like that she's willing to take that risk, willing to take that pain because she wants him to win using her advice. And like, it, it, it makes it feel less like he's protecting her and that she is also in the fight, you know? Yes. Yes, yeah, yes. I feel like it, it gives it lends her more autonomy, right? Like like more involvement in the fight, which I think is really important because uh, she isn't just a damsel in distress. And I think that like the way it's portrayed so far kind of keeps her from like falling into that like kind of boring trope um, by doing this. And I also like the touch where he's like why do you care if I win, you know? You're going to come out on top. And she's like, you're an idiot. Like, let me let me break it down for you. If these guys take over, they're never going to let me live or fight or make my choices as the way I want in the name of protecting me. They're still going to invalidate my opinion. Everyone's got a boner for my dad. Yeah. Like, you you don't give a fuck about him yeah so like you're gonna be the instrument of my revenge so stick with me kid like 
you are my choice. You have been chosen. Um, which I appreciate. Like, yeah. And I also love the acknowledgement from 10 or 410 from Urara here too on like page 12. Um, where Maro's like, what about 10? And she's like, he's actually exceedingly competent. He just doesn't realize it. So, yeah. Mm, I mean, she just watched him drop like 100 bikes on Waku. And he's yes. like, she's like, yeah, he pissed them off. It's great. We're killing it. I think the dropping of the bikes actually helps her disguise her telepathy because they are not focused on her. No. <laughs> yeah, no. Only Oboro um, is just like, hey, you good? Right. Um, and I love this plan she deduces for dealing with Cotone and his speed. She's like, listen, he's at the end of the day just a, a cloth. And if you get cloth wet, it's bogged down. It can't flow, you know, as freely move as quick. So basically tells him head to this, head to this fountain in the middle of town. It's got like a big reservoir, underground reservoir that if you break through the wall, you'll definitely be able to soak him. And um, obviously it kind of didn't go to, to plan. And I thought it was really cool that Cotone had that kind of intuition and sense to know something wasn't right. Either that or he has, you know, he obviously has a pretty firm grasp on the, the city, right? Because this, this is the city they're always in. This is kind of the well, city like, they run. he's also like a pro like writer right like he's a he's the driver so like him like crashing doesn't like speak to him as a skill as a, a motorcyclist you know and so like him being able to stop on a dime and like the parachute because like parachute. i the parachute like him generating a parachute to slow the momentum was like i loved that application of like too. his unique physiology because um being from Iowa, I used to go to the Knoxville Raceways, and they had, like, drag races, right? Like, the high-speed, 1v1, like, straight-line races. They had parachutes that would deploy to keep them from, like, going straight off the tracks after accelerating so fast. Yep. So I was like, ah, that's genius. Like, he is a racer. Like, yep. I dig racer. that. And what's even more yeah. tight about it that just like the little visual artistic touches that his arms actually unravel and become the parachute. Like if you look at mm -hmm. the panel on page 17 that's showing him from the back, oh yeah, his arms are unraveled into the parachute. Like they're not, you know. And not just his like neck scarf. Yeah. Yeah, like I love his, like Koton's like mask design is like, chef's kiss i adore it yeah. like it's very common writer meets beautiful joe kind yeah. of thing right like he's got sss plus style like yeah oh, he's so fucking cool yep 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 for sure um so yeah oh. obviously he stops short of the water tank and it's kind of like a a a, a, a but clenchy moment where you're like, oh shit, he realized what they were trying to do and he's not falling for it. But then you'd fucking turn the page into Mauro thinking on his feet, man. Instantaneously just blitzes behind him, smashes the water tank. And we can presume that Cotone gets wet here. And that. Yeah, uh, I hope he manages to like grab him. 
like grab his tendrils and force him into the water or something like that. Like yeah. then it becomes like a slugfest, and I want to see that kind of like barroom brawl kind of thing that Catone does. But like, I also kind of want to see Catone like use the heaviness of the water to make his fists heavier so then when he whips and hits people yeah he's slow but like he's doing haymakers you know i want to see that yep yeah definitely i um i cannot wait to see what happens next chapter we can obviously assume that the they'll kind of be fighting on a little bit more even of a playing field because Coton's going to be bogged down by the weight of his wet cloth um mm -hmm. i'm not sure if the fight will span the length of a whole nother chapter or if it will um, kind of end next chapter. The fight probably uh, ends by the, the end of next chapter. And then, I'd say so. This has been like a pretty healthy amount of time. Um, yeah, I think so too. So by the end of chapter, we either get Cotone beaten or the, you know, acknowledgement and like mutual respect between Cotone and, and Lauro. Mm -hmm. something along those lines but uh but something also, else maru has never talked shit before apparently yeah i was gonna say it's so. just like i just crush people when they insult me i don't really say things you stupid stupid head you're stupid you're uh you're really stupid and um you big giant stupidy stupid <laughs> It really shows his youth. Like, how old is Moreau? He's like, what, 16, 17? Like, he's just a youth. Maybe a 15. He's really... Hey! Yeah. But yeah, I think um, I think that's about all I had for, you know, for Ayashimon. Chapter 16. Mm, yeah. Uh, this was a really good chapter. I'm glad that, like, we got both of them together. It kind of, like feels a little more fluid. I always enjoy double chapters sometimes. It's really nice. It's a treat. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, with that, I think we can go ahead and move right into our general discussion on Sakamoto days. So um, I guess I'll let you kind of lead us into the discussion here. How do you feel overall about Sakamoto days as, as kind of a, a series and the fact that we're covering it? You know, uh, as an action comedy, I really dig it. Like, I'm a big fan of Yozakura Family. I'm a big fan of, like, Spy X Family. I love the idea of, like, cheeky assassins. Um, it's like... I love the dollar store bodega vibe that they get in the beginning of the series. And you're like, yeah, this guy used to be, like, Leon the Professional. Like, the yeah. world's greatest assassin. And then he gets, like, married, he gains weight, he gains a kid, he, like, it stops practicing, he stops killing, because his family's just like, hey, we don't want you to be killing people, like, let's stay married and, like, live a peaceful life. And he's like, you know what? I deserve this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I definitely, um... It has, it, the series has grown on me. I, you know, I never, I like up until recently, I never read it, um, just because it didn't really seem like my type of thing. But it, it definitely has grown on me, and I, I, I also am a big fan of action comedy manga. Like Mission Yozakura Family has definitely become one of my favorites. Um, Ayashimon, you know, Marshall was one of my favorites through a lot of its 
the main body of its publication. You know, now I feel like it's become a little forced and campy, but overall, um, action comedy definitely is, is definitely a good genre for me. And I think Sakamoto does a really good job of balancing, you know, like Yozakura, balancing the action, action aspects with the comedy aspects. And, mm -hmm. um, and introducing a, you know, like a different interesting format to it where like you said you have that retired assassin who is like one of the best assassins you know in the world who's now kind of just like living a mundane life working at the grocery store dollar store type beat you know and fucking just trying to take care of his family and keep his former uh connections from fucking <laughs> going uh, ape shit on him like i i love the sort of like i like the double life trope but I do, like, you see that in, like, superhero stories all the time with, like, Spider-Man <clears> and stuff. But I do like the fact that, like, his wife is fully aware of who he is and just, like, what he used to do. And she's like, yeah, but you're not doing that anymore, you know? It's, um, it's a little bit like the other guys, like Will Ferrell, Gator yeah. Got His Gat kind of beat, whereas she's like, oh, no, sweetie, I, redeem I redeemed you, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I just, I really like it. I like the fact that he has to kind of, like, non-lethally take out, you know, his opponents and, like, kind of keep tabs on, like, the other assassins he's dealing with. Uh, he's kind of, um... Oh, a gentle giant, so to speak. He's got big gentle giant vibes. He's quiet, doesn't say much. Like, he speaks with through his actions um quite a bit and kind of like a stoic you know hard assassin but like it translates he's like he's got a stoicism to him um there's another main character his name is shin he's a young assassin yep. admired the guy he was like i'm your number one fan you know i admire you you're like my mentor uh, i like adore the ground you walk on he finally like hunts him down and the kid's telepathic, so, like, I like the kind of, like, comedy where, like, this guy isn't saying anything, but then the kid is able to react and make, like, respond to the jokes that we, the reader, are privy to, but, like, it's hidden from, like, the other characters in the story. A little, like, I like that element in, like, Spy X Family with Anya, so, like, having that in Sakamoto Days is also very funny. Um, and, like... They've got a really good classical assassination world building in the series. Like, um, minor, minor spoilers, but, like, there's a group called The Order, and they're, like, their whole thing was, like, you don't walk away from the organization, kid. You know, they're those kind of peoples. They send people to, like, hunt down Sakamoto, and he's going to have to deal with them. And uh, I love the fights. The choreography is really good. The art for the fights is really solid. They, they use tech, they use technique, they use, you know, psychological tricks. They've got, you know, very flashy maneuvers, some really subtle maneuvers, you know. Yes. Yeah. Really solid. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, like, something that went hand in hand with what you said about the order, like, that was kind of a good a really fun spot in the, in the, in the read-through for me was around chapter 15 when which is obviously kind of the time when the order was, uh, you know, I want to say introduced. I don't know. I kind of read through quickly. So my memory on it is a bit foggy, but um, 
chapter 15, we get Nagumo, you know, kind of interacting with the squad. Mm-hmm. And he fucking does some, like, sick, nasty shit. But it's also funny as fuck how he, like, pretends to stab Shin in the neck. And fucking is like, gotcha, just kidding. And fucking... He's a player. Yeah. And then he, like, kind of gives us information on the Order, which is a really good example of, of, like, how this series balances the action aspects with the comedy aspects, with the more, like, dark and serious aspects. So, I, uh, you know, overall, I think Sakamoto Days, like, definitely is a solid um, representation of, like, this genre and style of manga, you know? And it has definitely grown on me, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm pretty excited to actually cover it week to week. If I'm gonna be honest, yeah, no, I really like it. They have some like really interesting fights. Even the side characters are pretty memorable. Like they, Yuki y- uh, Yuto Suzuki does really well in like making memorable side characters. Um, like even the throwaway characters that like people talk shit about. Like they have enough going on that they're distinct. I like the character development that's been happening throughout the series. I won't talk uh, on that, really, because I want you guys to be surprised about it. Um, I think the favorite thing that I have about the series, this is a minor spoiler, but the way they use sort of like... D&D thieves can't, right? Where you walk into a tub, you know, you walk into a bar and you say like the past cut phrase and you speak in euphemisms that double speak a la Sopranos kind of the beat where you're like, oh yeah, uh, I'm visiting my uncle Ronnie. Oh yeah? Yeah, no, his health's not doing too good. Uh, how are you going to help him? It's like, oh, me and the boys, we're going to help him move into a new apartment. You know, he's got a lot of furniture. We got to watch out for that. Those tra- stairs are going to be tricky. Oh, yeah, it's the new place. It's a rough neighborhood. You got to watch out, that kind of thing. Where, like, oh, I'm planning to kill Ronnie. He's got a lot of weapons. He's got a lot of boys, but I got a squad. Do, 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 do. Watch the entrances, that kind of thing. There was a scene in Sakamoto days where they go to a video rental store to get information they're like hey i want to know information about blah 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 and he's like cool it's in the action mystery section it just came out it's a new movie go watch it and they use that to like they portray the information as like a pseudo documentary or like in the framing of a movie as a way to like disguise and disseminate information and i adore stuff like that that's so it's a little cheesy, but I, I dig it. It fits very well in the setting. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I had many more, like, non-spoilery thoughts to share on the series, but I think um, mm-hmm. overall, like I said, it has definitely surprised me and grown on me pretty quickly, and I'm super excited to cover the series going forward week to week. Yeah. I personally like the fact that, like, Sakamoto uh, is like sort of like the newer generation of protagonists, um, similar to like Kafka from Kaiju Number Eight. In the fact that he is, yeah, older and like he's not washed up. He's got the moves still, but you know he's still rusty. He's a little rusty, even though he's insanely capable. 
But, like, he's an older guy. He's further on in his life. He doesn't have the same motivations that a young, up-and-coming yeah. shonen protagonist would 15 have. 15-year-old, so, like, 16-year-old, yeah. Yeah, he's no Maruo. Like, I, I appreciate that in a character. And, like, I'm an older reader. You know, I'm in my 30s. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see that kind of story be fleshed out. And, like, it's doing well. Like, Sakamoto's, like, sales are, like, pa-pa-pa-pa. Awesome. Hell yeah. Well, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's about it for me on Sakamoto. Um, unless you had anything else to share, I think we can probably move move along. Mm, I just hope that all you guys watching us enjoy this series as much as I have. Agreed. All right. Well, um, with that, I don't know. I think we can go ahead and jump right into Mission Yozakura Family, chapter uh, 121, last week's chapter. Family conference. This was a sad chapter. Yeah. This was a really sad chapter. Um, Seeing all brief. just the whirlwind of emotions from everybody was was definitely uh, gut wrenching. But sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Go ahead. Oh, I feel like because um, like this chapter basically covers like ten minutes of action. Right, like the action of the dialogue and the family squabbling over like their split decisions on like what to do about Kiyuchiro. And uh, I like that they are split on their decision at first. Yeah, I got like, what made me the most emotional probably was Futaba, you know, how it's just right at the beginning of the chapter, she thinks back to like what Kiyuchiro <clears throat> said and she just gets pissed and just fucking... <sighs> Like, what fucking dumb shit are you talking, bro? And, like, it's like, oh, he's completely gone. They're like, oh, we can't just rush after him. She's like, nah, I'm sorry. I'm going after him. Like, I don't give a fuck what y'all are talking about. I'm now with this shit. But, um, obviously she, you know, kind of, they, Mutsumi and some other family members calm her down. And, and eventually she kind of agrees to yeah, talk um, it over with them. <laughs> yeah, Mitsumi's just like, hey, return back to base, we need to figure things out, like, we shouldn't spread ourselves thin. I like that Kengo was just actually like, hey, you know, we should... We... I like that, because normally he's very laissez-faire, he's very flippant, and like, a little bit of a brat. Yeah. But this is a rare moment where he's showing, like, genuine respect to Kyuichiro. He's like, you know what, man, like... This is his decision. We like did these things for a reason. We gotta we should, accept that. We should listen to him a bit, even if we don't like it. We can learn more about the whole situation as it draws out. Like, you know, Xian's response was also good in the fact that, she, like, Xian and Futaba are interesting because, like, normally in manga, female characters are often portrayed as like very passive so i like that they were the two that were like most go get them yeah. right like nanao was just like yeah i know let's listen to the head i defer to their judgment like mitsumi like futaba and shion were just like we're making decisions we're making calls we're being proactive let's go let's go let's go and i i really liked that kind of um soft subversion of gender within mm. the series you know what i mean yeah. like it's not like oh yeah i'm i'm a woman and i'm gonna be super strong macho you know kind of you know that kind of thing that's you know hollow but like this felt you know driven 
from the heart and like felt in line with their characters but it's something i did notice when i was reading through it yes um i also like tayo too um kind of acknowledging that even through all the shit koichiro has put him through he's never genuinely like with malice tried to hurt him you know mm-hmm. where on page uh five he's like how can this be more importantly why did he do that you know where like he spun mm-hmm. in and like sliced the tip of Mauro's or not Mauro but Tayo's finger <laughs> um you know that just kind of like is a subtle hint of storytelling from Tayo to me that that shows like even though Kyoichiro is on Tayo's ass all the time like he's never genuinely you know really trying to hurt him or ha- genuinely having malice towards him um mm-hmm. Because the yeah, you know, he's like, why did he really like cut me there? Like, you know, it's interesting because like he's willing to run out in the middle of nowhere and just chase him through the wild blue yonder with Futaba, and it's like, man, Keichiro like really dragged you through hell a lot of times and made your life difficult for no real reason, outside of like petty jealousy out of their relationship with Mitsumi and, like, you know, the feeling of being replaced in levels of closeness and the evolution of, like, family hierarchies, etc. Um, yeah. But he's just like, yeah, I'm coming, no hesitation. Like, Tayo's genuinely a good fella. Um, but then, uh, Shinzo, he comes in clutch, you know? He steps in as the second... I mean, the third oldest. He's he's the oldest brother now, right? Yeah. So like, I love that he's like really immediately steps into that role, and he's just like, "Hey, man, like, you're both right. I understand where all of you are coming from. Like, chasing after him is a good choice. Coming back and regrouping is a good choice. The wrong choice is splitting up, because that's not what family does." Koichiro did something the family doesn't do, and we need to figure out why. Yeah. That was a slapper panel for me, definitely, when when that just that sequence of panels, and especially the middle one, when it's all just the white stark background, group hug, <clears throat> you know, both right Stop answers, arguing. but all of us splitting up is definitely the wrong one. He definitely mm-hmm. wouldn't be happy about it, and everybody just has that realization, like, <clears throat> my man is spitting. And I love that uh, Kengo... And um, Nanao are both just kind of like grinning, like yeah. And who had, who had the dialogue about kind of Mutsumi's? We we saw big things for Mutsumi this chapter, where she's kind of stowing her emotions in. Oh, are you talking about page eight where Futaba is like, hey, you're the head of the family. You don't have to stifle your emotions just because you're the head of the family. Yes, exactly. So we definitely saw big things from Mutsumi this chapter about, you know, in in terms of that, where she's kind of, you know, putting her emotions aside and really trying to be the voice of reason here and logic. Like, no, we really need to take a step back here. We all are obviously flustered but we need to really calculate this and think about it and take a take a, a moment to decide how we really want to proceed with this going forward. Even though, like, 
Futaba says, like, you're obviously, you know, bullshitting. You probably want to go after him the most out of anybody. Um, so, yeah, that was that was cool for me to see. I like that. And I like that mm -hmm. interaction between Futaba and Mutsumi as well. Yeah, no, like page 12 and then page 14. I I really I also dig like the white blonde contrast like yes. background because for Shinzo in that moment there is no background there is no wider world his entire focus is on his family yes and, like visual storytelling wise I was like yes that slaps that slaps oh and the art on that panel like it was meant to stand out you know I mean look at the definition on those pecs like yes. my god. And the hair, and like the depth and, and definition shading on all their mm -hmm. hair and just the clothing they're wearing. Like it's all, it's meant to be one of those panels that just fucking pops and does have that visual storytelling behind it. You know, where, like you said, that was, that was beautifully said. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I liked the, like also the transition of view from 10 and 11, because you're looking up from like a downward angle up at Kengo and Shion and Tayo as they're squabbling as siblings. Like, it makes you feel small that their, their argument is, like, escalating out of control, that they are being too big, and then you see them dead on from the height that they really are as children. And, like, they seem smaller in that sense and, like, kind of showing, like, how Shinzo is, like, really, like, looming over them a little bit. Like, hey, you know. Yeah. Like, the angling off this is really solid from the author. Like, Gundaira just... There's, like, a lot of little nods that, like, do well. Because, like, even, like, when the kids are surprised by Shinzo, you can see them, like, looking up. And they do seem smaller. They seem younger in that sense. Yeah, I agree. That's definitely a good... Um... Another good bit of visual storytelling from from um, Gondaira. Yes. Yes. Hitsuji Gondaira. I always butcher um, the first name, so I just go by Gondaira and I'm like... It's just so many oh, authors, I get lost in the sauce. Knox is really good at remembering the author names, but I, I just get lost in the sauce, man. It's crazy. Oh, um, man. I'm, I, I'm shameful when it comes to character names sometimes. I swear. I swear. And... We do still get the you know the good comedy bits too in this chapter, which is you know Yoza Fam obviously where um, page four fifteen into sixteen where you know we got the group hug happening. Futaba's like Shinzo, Kengo's gonna pass out. <laughs> He's like foaming at the fucking mouth. He's like, oh, fucking you're squeezing too hard. He's man. physically the weakest out of all of them. It's really funny. Yeah. Futaba's like unconcerned. She's just a fucking brick shit house. But yeah, then we get, you know, the the another great interaction between Mutsumi and Futaba where, you know, she apologizes for being short-sighted and she's like, I failed you as a big sister. You know, I should have been more level-headed and, and not acting on impulse. So, and then we obviously get Mutsumi saying, you know, I did lie about my feelings too. I failed you as the head of the family. Just like everybody saying, yeah, like, I'm sorry. This is where I fucked up. I apologize, you know. Yeah. Just um, everybody kind of admitting their own fault in in hopes of, you know, leveling that playing field and really bringing things back to an even keel as far as the family goes. Because it was really about to, like, get rocky. Mm -hmm. No, I really quite dig it. There's, um, 
their dialogue reminds me of watching um like couples therapy mm-hmm. where they're focusing less on you 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 it's like i failed you i made a mistake i am sorry and it's it's like you know it's a really simple thing but therapists talk about like hey if you want to de-escalate a situation use i statements don't make it about the person don't make the other person feel like you're pointing a finger at them verbally you're like hey i'm sorry and like the whole idea of like accepting responsibility is like hey i understand you're upset i know that my actions and words made you upset but like i'm trying to do the best i can i hope you understand that kind of thing it's like it was nice like it that's a very real thing coming from that and i like the the kind of emotional maturity that the head of house and the oldest sister are showing yeah for sure and um yeah kind of really we we end this chapter on a really good feeling note where everybody kind of comes to a, a an agreement that they all want to take a step back and they do all want to go after Kyoichiro, but they need to do it in the smartest way possible. And we get the um, the beginning of the mission, search for our big brother. And also another very fire panel at the end of the chapter that, again, has this really just stark white background. Huge emphasis on like the detail of all the family members showing mm-hmm. that like right now all that matters to them is the family and finding Kyoichiro. I like the soft Sakura petals in the background Mm. to like break up that negative space too. Yeah. But it's not ominous in the same way that those earlier Sakura petals were storming around. It's a lot less chaotic, very gentle. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. Because like, that sort of like, tenderness being strength is, I think, important. Especially in like, a series that focuses on like, we are assassins we are hardcore killers but like yozakura doesn't get like lost in the sauce of like edginess ever it talks about like very human things and like fleshes out their characters um, yeah in that way yeah yeah um i've got nothing left on this chapter yeah i was gonna say i, I think that's uh part. that's a pretty good segue into the next chapter here chapter 122 of mission yozakura family Search for our big brother. And uh, we start off the chapter with this mm, incredible color cover. I love the color palette. And um, Mm -hmm. like the Sakuras in the background breaking up that negative space. Like the contrast of those kind of that pink, lavender, lilac, purple against the rest of the family on it. I love the fact that they all have like different hair colors. I don't know that I ever picked up on that before in a color spread. Um, I've seen it occasionally, but it's nice to see the direct contrast. Yeah. Like I like that Koichiro and Futaba had black and white. Black and white. As... The two oldest siblings, Yin mm-hmm. and Yang. Bro, slaps. Yeah. I love that. Um I like that uh you know, Mutsumi Kengo and Shinzo have like almost well green's not a primary color but like pretty solid standard like colors and then Shion has like the light purple and then the youngest kid who is like a mutant who's all mixed up 
has like this soft teal colors and i was like ah like i like that he has like a little mix of cream a little mix of teal and like kind of like represents his like you know fluctuating kind of state yeah i love uh i love tayo's red too man his hair just looks i never thought of him as a redhead until now i'm like dang man i mean i don't know that i would say he's like a redhead as much as just like a you know He's, I mean, you know, he's a he's a red-haired manga character, you know. <laughs> Would you say it's more of a burnt umber? Not like the ginger, but he's really got some like indigo, like red ass joint, like fiery red, copper red eyes kind of too, for real, yeah. But um, I mean, getting into the chapter, this was obviously kind of a transitional feel goody chapter where we're getting um, resolved from all the family members and their like specific reasoning on wanting to go after him and interactions they've had with him in the past that are their motivations which feels really really good i i definitely like this chapter and i laughed my ass off at the beginning of it when i saw the first panel of uh kyoichi oh, his room. room is just a chair Life. it's not even a bed there's nothing in there like a naked light bulb a naked light bulb. Naked it is so bulb. dark. He doesn't. He doesn't even sleep in a bed. He sleeps sitting, staring. All the walls and ceilings is lined with pictures of Mutsumi, bro. Yeah, it's it's like a scary version of like the Homer Simpson, like Maggie Simpson, do it for her kind of moment. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, and I like. Um... The deduction we get from Mutsumi here, like, yeah, he's, you know, she's looking at his schedule. Like, he's got, like, outstanding appointments, like, later this week and shit, bro. Like, there's no way he would abandon his work like this. He he didn't foresee this happening like this. So, something's happened outside of, you know, his prediction. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty safe to assume that he's not in a situation he wants to be in, you know? Yeah. Not, and Maybe like, he chose to be is... in it, but he doesn't want to. Yeah, like, he he expected to, like, take out everybody. Yeah. He was ready. And, and he then, did. He straight up murked all of them. Like, I, I don't really know exactly what happened. I have yeah, I don't know that I he did, like though. He got, I feel like he got infected too much. I would, yeah. By the, the predecessor's, like, roots or, like, mm. Sakura pollen. You know, and he's like, oh, man, I, I am compromised i've been contaminated they got me by yep so but like yeah moving forward from that because like i like the flashbacks of like how each sibling has been sharing like the really good moments the like very impactful moments that uh kuichiro gave them you know as an older brother yeah definitely I love um, the Futaba one, you know, where she's obviously ripping through this, like, um, other spy headquarters or whatever. And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm checking with anybody that had, you know, may have had a grudge against him. Like, I'm I'm, I'm just whooping their ass. And she flashes back to her and Kyoichiro fighting against some people. And he's like, man, you're beating all these people barehanded. Like, you're whooping ass. And, uh basically telling her like i think i can you could solve anything with brute force and she's like 
I'm gonna find you just using brute force. I'm running through all these spy headquarters just whooping ass till somebody tells me some information I wanna know. Mm, <laughs> I love yeah. Futaba, man. I like those are probably that's probably my favorite character archetype in manga is like top two favorite character archetypes in manga are like the machismo mm. delinquent guy and like just the badass like strong martial artist woman like mm. Mm. like bisky mario leona futaba i mean you could, the list goes on just like that's mm, <laughs> that's my favorite shit man yeah. hard body women so tight in the words of uh spike i like a lady that can beat my ass oh my god yeah that's that's your time huh? yeah oh man Dude, Kengo in this one really took me by surprise. Yeah. Like, Shinzo made sense. His is very straightforward. He's a very sincere individual. Like, his case setting made sense. Um, um, but, like, Kengo's, like, bit where he's like, you know, you're hard to read. Like... You're genuinely hard to read. Like, we default to assuming that you're thinking about Mitsumi all the time. But, like, it's a little bit, like, hammy. Like, a bit of an act. Yeah. And I just, like, I like that he's like, you know what? I do want to understand you. Yes. And figure out what you're thinking. Like, Kengo is doing the psychological profiling route. Like, I dig that. I love... That's my kind of thing. I like the the analytical characters that try to like pull a fast one and like get an advantage by just simply deducing and like having insight on other characters. Like sympathy, empathy, understanding of another person is a skill and a strength that can be leveraged in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, For sure. And especially when you're trying to like figure out a person's motivations and why they might have done something, where they might have gone, you know, all that. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Man. It, it, it made me kind of sad. He's like, if you keep practicing, perhaps the day may come when you can understand me. And I was like, oh, that that hurts a little. Yeah. Oof. And uh, I also like the Nanao bit, too, because he's obviously the youngest, and, and we kind of get a perspective from him where it's like, you need to watch me on the road I've chosen because he influenced him and said like, you know, you don't necessarily need to feel obligated to do certain things for the family, do what you want to do. And at the end of the day, because you're so good at it, it's going to help us, you know? And Mm -hmm. so he's, he's like, yo, you gotta, you gotta watch me on like this road that not only have I chosen, but that you kind of led me down, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was, that was, that was fun. That was, you know, I like to see that. And um, yeah. also what I thought was funny is that he's trying to, he's got a jar of his toenails. Wait, where? Oh, Koichiro. God damn it. Yeah, he does. Oh. On God. page 12, we get I see in the gutter, now. yeah, jar Koichiro's toenails. That's so fuck. gross. Nasty now is fuck. nasty, dude. Yeah, why is he nasty like that, bro? Come on collecting everybody's oh, toenails he's like i gotta have these dna samples bro <laughs> well honestly that's so wild like yeah that's tricky man like and so, like it kind of makes sense because like 
like the Yozakura family traits, their whole advantage, their main advantage is their bodies. It, their body is seen as a resource. So like, I think it's interesting that Nanao is so diligent on like maintaining control of people's access to their bodies. Yeah. That, like people couldn't even go through the trash to find toenail clippings or anything. <laughs> like, there's no, like, like, like detectives, right? Like would dig around through trash and like, you know, find cigarettes and then use that saliva to like DNA test someone. They don't even have that availability to do that. So like, I think it's just like, it makes sense in hindsight, but I was like, man, that is kind of weird. But like, when I think about it in like the grand scheme of like how, everyone was so persistent on like getting like hair blood any kind of sample on like yozakura family members that i'm like you know what the jar toenails kind of makes sense still fucked but like makes sense yeah for sure um so i guess i don't know the last thing we really got to talk about is like the last bit of the chapter here where tile's like i can't really do much to help aside from maybe pursue this uh this line that kyoichiro kind of tossed in the water for me we learn mm -hmm. about apparently an interaction that tayo had with kyoichiro where he told him if anything ever happens to me um go to the spy association and tell them that kyoichiro has brought senbei for the president rice and crackers so rice crackers i didn't know that um, yeah, they're delicious. They're like that, like sweet rice crackers that have like that little like like sugar glaze. They look like yellowish oh, caramel. I've had, and they're them. like sweet. They're salty. Like they are like yeah, one really of my good. favorite snacks. Period. Like I, I've had I them. get like yeah. oh, they're so good. Um, they're a great party snack. Um, <laughs> man, I'm really motivated by food right now. Yeah, now that <laughs> now that you say that, now that you describe them, I've definitely had those in the past. They're fucking they're fire. Mm -hmm. um so yeah he's pretty much he's like pretty much this is all i can do you know hopefully this this lead will produce something for me you know mm -hmm. and so uh yeah basically we get to meet the president of the spy association i liked his I, intro i did too his i was like intro was hilarious at first i'm like okay literally the first thing i thought i'm like okay this Dude is obviously important because of the hair. You see the hair. I'm like, this is obviously... I know manga tropes and, and <laughs> themes. When you see a certain character's hair or like the way they're dressed in certain cases, you just know. So I'm like, this fucking janitor is not a janitor. I'm like, look at this person's hair. They're important. And then literally a couple panels look later... Look at after, shoes, though. That's the part that tipped me off the most. Whereas, like, he has, like slippers those aren't even work shoes like yeah, what right. kind of janitor has that yeah but i love the introduction it's like oh yeah i'm a janitor no one pays attention to me i'm basically in the background haha gotcha bitch <laughs> you know yeah like, like even before hiding in plain sight yeah. perfect intro before i even finished page 18 i was like this is the president. And then, yeah, we get this weird, like, you know, I'll call the president for you, tee hee, and then uh, kind of clowns him, like, you're pretty unperceptive for a spy, huh? Kyoichiro's lacking. Ah, didn't teach it too good. You're a silver, all right. <laughs> and I like how they have the scar on the opposite eye of Tayo. 
Ooh, does this mean that, like, they will sort of... They, they kind of already act as a foil, you know? Like, they're the experience... Like, even their clothes, right? Like, clothes, hair, like, it's all opposite. Their yeah. eyes... Eyes a good one. Um, the fact that um, Tayo's scar is white. Uh, Kai's scar is black. Their hair and their clothing is literally opposite. The fact yeah. that, like... His hair is white and long, as opposed to Shia's tar- like black and stuff. Um, like the fact that his hat—he's got a hat, but Tayo has a hoodie yeah. on his shirt. That kind of thing. Like everything about them is, is opposite. Literally like a stark opposite. contrast. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I want to see more of this character, and I wonder if he's going to become a mentor or a foil to Tayo. I don't know what the relationship that Kuyochiro has. If he's going to be, like, a pure ally. You know what I mean? Like, he's a spy. Like, the, trusting per- someone's intentions that's a head of a spy syndicate sounds like a really dumb idea. Like, I'm gonna have you suspicious of this dude for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like even Tayo was just like wait what oh fuck like see his eyes like widening and like that like little bit of panic you see on the double spread on 2021 yeah the like, sweat bead on his cheek like oh his eyes he looks tense dude like Tayo looks a little shook by that I'm lacking what would have been even funnier and like uh, another cool just thing that could have been added to the thing is if like he buddy had a knife to his neck like you're lacking, bro. I could have got you just yeah. now. But, like, at the same time, he's a spy as opposed to an assassin. So, like, I think that it's... He's like, I've already proved I've I've beaten you, right? Like, I've already set the stage. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you got... You got got. You clearly can't per- perceive my subterfuge. Yeah. That's funny as fuck. But also, I think... that area is spotless. Yes. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> for... It's like ching. sparkle and like a, a janitor in all white. I'm like, bruh, <laughs> this has gotta be the yeah. Name. Like, nah. But I, I think uh, I think that's about all I had for Yozakura family. Mhm. I I really liked this chapter. This this really because the other one like kind of really set the tone, and then this one's really solid. I kind of I'm curious about what the significance of the code of like. Kyochiro sends the president to Senbei. Um, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Is yeah it, what like, does that you know, mean exactly? Like, what does that yeah, let, what's the what does that let Kai know? That? Yeah, what does that let Kai know? Yeah. Yeah, um, like, what does that imply? Is that, like, oh, this is my replacement. Is it more I'm for Kai China. or is it more for just the, the organization in general? Because, like, right when he said that, they were like, oh, yep, yep, go right up to his office. He's waiting, you know? So is it more for the organization in general? Like, hey, Kyoichiro, like, let him know, you know, possibly that he's like, hey, if anything ever happens to me, like, I've I've kind of laid this procedure in place that one yeah. of my family members will come to the organization and, like, say this phrase. If they do, send them right up to the fucking president because he'll know what's mm-hmm. good. I told him as well. I think it's even funnier because, like, there's this moment where, like, he goes a hundred floors, right? So I imagine he gets in the elevator. And he's he in that bitch for a minute. Yeah. He calls the president, calls the president, like, hey, you've got a guest coming. He's like, all right, I need to get my... I he's in a three-piece, you know what I'm saying? He has to... 
get in the janitor's like, outfit. Like, change, and he's like, all right, I'm going to pull a fast one on them. I'm going I'm to give him a little test, a little testy test. Yeah, um, that'd be tight if in the next chapter we see him, like, at the beginning of it, he's behind, like, a dressing wall and comes out in, like, a clean-ass three-piece, like, mm, ah, this is what I was wearing before I had to scurry into the fucking janitor's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. What if it's even more casual? It's just, like, weeb shit. <laughs> Weeb shit, that'd be funny as fuck. I can't lie. Comes out oh, in a Goku man. shirt or something, but yeah, I think that's about all I had for Yozakura family. Mm-hmm. All right, well, with that, I think we can go ahead and hop right into chapter 178 of Jujutsu Kaisen Greatness Sendai mm-hmm. Colony Part 5. And we get this nice cover of Yuta looking down at the uh the viewpoint with his hand you know kind of outspread showing the ring gotta flex you know the fiance mm, gotta flex him so yeah man opens up right into rika i'm like oh shit she's here already damn rika's showed some fucking speed this chapter i feel like yeah yeah she's spooky <clears throat> she's fast plus as fuck. like she's so tied to him so it's like it's less about like physically transporting from the stadium to like disappearing and then reappearing to him i feel like he's she got something but even past that like like, she blitzed um god i always forget yeah what the the black cockroach dude no kuro rushi she she did blitz but also pompadour guy i forget his name oh ishigori ishigori yeah yeah, yeah. He he blitzed ishigori you know, a couple different times this chapter, it felt like she, you know, she she had some good speed on her. Oh, yeah. She's sub-beady. Um, and she was giving thing... out hands for free. Mm-hmm. Nah, I like it because she, it's interesting that she has, like, this pocket dimension kind of thing inside of her. Where she, like, reaches into her body and, like, opens up this small arsenal. Um, mm-hmm. Big, big Elden Ring merchant vibes. Opened up the Duffy on him, bro. Yeah. I'm like, oh, the shit. The inventory. That's yeah, a right. real hidden inventory. <laughs> yeah. And we get the, the actual kind of monologue. Not monologue. Yeah, the internal monologue from uh, Ishigori and um, Uro. Is that that's her name, right? Uro, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, everything. He wasn't using his full power? I don't get it. His own... Okotsu's own cursed energy is welling up again. They can like sense like, damn, he's getting this shit back. So pretty much, yeah. Um, threatened by that. I love that. And then we can do like, get I like the breakdown. Yeah, yeah, we do we do get um kind of the breakdown on Rika here on page four. Rika is Okotsu's cursed technique and can store cursed energy for him. Rika remained with him after Rika uh, Onimoto passed away. While connected to Rika through his ring, um, he can maintain... Oh, no. While connected uh, to Rika through his ring, the following is possible. Cursed technique use, Rika's complete manifestation, and cursed energy supply from Rika. So we were right about him being able to use her as kind of like a Hoover Dam of cursed energy. Store it all in her and just have her give him bit by bit. Or all of it if he's if it suits him. Um, 
And then it says that he can maintain a sustained connection with her for five minutes, which means like what, as far as like the equipment goes, like that she can give him or her manifestation or like, what do we think as far as that? Oh, uh, like the arm that she gave him, like the, like the strap on gauntlet. Yeah. She gave um, him like the, the gauntlet. Dude, she, he looks like, uh, like one of those dudes from Tekken, like with the bionic arm, a little bit like Jax or yeah. whatever his name was. Yeah, like, Jax is right. That's cool, man. Like, it's weird. She's very much a storage type creature because, like, she has the arsenal. Stores she, the cursed like, energy. Stores items, all this other stuff. Like, I think it's cool, man. Like, she even, like, helps him put them on and, the, like, does a little, t- like, sings a little song while she does it. I was like, aw, that's cute. You're a horrifying monster, but that's adorable. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. Um, the part that I really liked was page five. Yes. Where the bottom. she rushes him, and you can see, like, if the, such a cinematic thing that Gege did was make the blur in the foreground of Rika rushing, whereas, like, you can see that, like, that portrayed She's focused in focus on, on Kotsu at on that time. Y- yeah, Yuta. And she recognizes the curse technique. She's like, snake eyes and fangs? Oh, that's cursed speech. And get him. Jump him. Like, I I love that because he's like, oh, yeah, I can't have you grabbing the air and, like, doing your tricky shit. No, I need you covering your ears so that, you know, we can get you. And this is, like, the first time she's really taken damage. Yeah. Um, first of all, yeah, that, that, that first panel where he uses the curse speech, like she focuses in on him, like, what is he doing though? And he's back there like, mm. and I'm like, damn, like, I also thought the perspective on that was fucking amazing and like super well done by, by Gege like that, that artistic touch on the flow of things. And then when he pulled out the curse speech, I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, how is he using cursed speech right now? And then fucking, like you said, Rika and, and Yuta give her the fucking work, bro. Like, mm-hmm. they literally did her like Yuji and, and um, Nanami, Nanami did against fucking Mahito. Fight back, motherfucker. Fight back. Fight back. Like, when this gets animated, it's literally going to be like that meme 2.0. Oh, man. Um, Straight up. So yeah, she gets worked and we see her take some like real damage here for the first time. Um, and then we got Ishigori kind of standing back like, y'all ain't just about to act like I'm not here, bro. Um, and he kind of shoots a beam Ish. at them and Rika mm-hmm. just casually just boom, deflects it as she With vaults. With bare hand. Yep. As she vaults Yuta at um, Euro, Udo. Yeah. Just like I love casually, the volleyball. Whoop. I love the volleyball bunt that she does to him. Yep the uh, the the volleyball um, is that what it's called the bunt? I don't know. It's a bounce. It's something. Yeah, it's a bounce. I have to it's watch IQ more. A receive IQ. Watch fucking IQ. That's the goaded. It's goaded for real. Um, Them sweet boys. It's very good. There's like very good character development too. A lot of good character moments and and like slice of lifey type shit. It's cool. Um, but I love Haikyuu. Yeah, the flow of it where where Rika, you know, just whoop, 
bah, you can totally feel how it happens. Um, Dude. And Ishigori's like, damn, that thing deflected with its bare hand. It might be tougher than Utah. Dude, I love, like, the zoom in on, like, Rika's face. Where she's like, that hurt. Yeah. Well, Bane, she's like, oh, I'm gonna get you. I like that because like they they double down on Uro and then they immediately split up the difference to like focus down so they're not like left vulnerable. Yes. And Ishigori just starts throwing Ishigori around. Um, you mean Rika? Like no, yeah, she she says that hurt and just boom hits him with the haymaker. I was like, damn. And that was another thing. Like, so we see the distance between them on nine. And then the first panel on 10 is him getting it fucking punched in his face. So, like, that was a moment where I'm like, damn, she just showed some pretty good speed. Like, blitzed him, you know? Yeah, she's like a ghost. She got no legs. She's caspering around high speed, like. Right. And she's gunning for him. And we that see him fly on page 10 middle panel. And then the next panel is her behind him. So, like, she's oh, got yeah. some nasty speed. But um, Ishigori's showing that he's no hoe. Turns around, socks Rika. I was like, damn. And again, like we talk about this all the time on the show. The flow of paneling and choreography like in Jujutsu Kaisen is like one of the strongest points. Like you can really feel as you're reading these fights how they flow. And you can read like basically every move. And it just feels so nice and just so clean, so polished. Like, Gege, mm-hmm. real, that is, like, really one of their biggest strengths, in my opinion, is that, like, the flow of paneling and the flow of the choreography in the fights, it's just, like, man, so perfect. Just perfect. I don't know. Man, yeah. Like, I like how all three of them are, like, really just, like, balanced. This is, like, a very much a free-for-all melee. Yep. I love that. Um... And, like, I know that but at the same time, has abilities to copy things. Like, he's like, if I understand how technique works, I can I can use it. Yeah. So, um... I, okay, so before we talk about that, I guess we get, um... A little bit of backstory. I thought it, first of all, I thought it was really cool how Yuta was able to just pluck little bits of his hair out and, like, turn him into little mini uh, Rikas. Oh, that, yeah. Like, had little bass Very Monkey around. King. Um, yeah, like, big Sun Wukong vibes. People were saying that in the chat of my live reaction. Um, and then we get the, you know, even more kind of dialogue on the rivalry between them as far as the clans go and the heritage. Um, mm-hmm. And we get this little bit of narration kind of here and backstory almost on Uro. The Sun, Moon, and Stars Squad is a group of assassins directly affiliated with the Toe, which we got before. Like, when she was introduced, we got that in at least the fan scans, I believe. Like, it was a translator note. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. They pursue lives of selfless devotion and darkness forsaken of the right to bear a name. So they have no names. They're like nameless people, her clan. Mm-hmm. And we get backstory about how somebody like gave her a name to only to execute her as like a proxy for somebody that committed a crime. Which is that's like, interesting because I like the fact that she like that's her 
backstory. I love that. Like the, I can understand why she has regret and she's like, I want a second chance at life. I was given a name only to die. Yeah. I didn't even get to live a life with that name. I only got to experience a death with that name. Mm. And I'm like, that's, that's cold. And the idea that she's a gear in the machine, she wants to like live her life. Damn, so you think that is really how she died? I assumed, I guess, that she got out of it. No, I think she Dang. got straight up executed. That's fucked up. Um, it is, it is. Like, if you go forward a little bit on, like, page 16, she's like, you know, it's like, he's like, I don't know what my ancestors did to you, but living only for yourself only gets so far. And she's like, shut the fuck up. Live yeah. for others. You don't need to be anybody special. The only ones who say that are the people who've already achieved something. Mm. And then, to me, she is, like, a really good foil to Yuji in his current emotional state, right? Like, like Yuji was a person who lived a life, forsake, forsook his life, and is trying to emotionally cope with everything that happened in, uh, in Shibuya by saying, I'm going to be a cog. I'm going to dedicate my job life to exterminating curses, to doing the job, making the work my, like, soothing balm, my salvation. And she's like, I've lived that life. She's like, polar opposite. She's like, I've lived the life. I've been the cog. I have been the job. But I want to live. I want to be free. I want to be myself. And so I was like, that's very interesting, you know, to me. Like, it's, it's, a, nice, it's a nice little contrast. Um, and the fact that, like, you know, Yuji was, is slated for death, right? Like, he's like, hey, we're going to give you this position, but you are eventually doomed to be executed anyway. And her, for her, she did her job, she did the things, and then she was executed. And, like Yuji, Yuta's probably going to kill her. Yeah. I don't know, I thought, maybe, I guess not, as long as we're on this topic... People were talking about, you know, the possibility that they, you know, maybe join, you know, Utah, whether he kills them, maybe kills one of them, one joins. And we were kind of going back and forth with different prospects on that. And I think I'd like more if because of their heritage and, you know, that like dichotomy mm -hmm. uh, between them, I would like more maybe if she was the one that survived and maybe joined Utah and they hashed out their kind of resentment or her resentments towards Utah as far as that goes. And maybe Utah shows them that like the clan she hates so much, like isn't all bad. Like he doesn't subscribe to the, whatever beliefs they had back then. Yeah. Um, and they can kind of bring that to like maybe a little bit of a head and put yeah, a nice little uh, make a nice little reconciliation and 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 put a nice little bow on that storyline, and it would also work well for um, Rio's character. I forgot his other name is you know already Ishigori Ishigori because he's kind of keeps talking about how he's still got this hunger for more in life that he didn't get out of his previous life and i think i i kind of mm -hmm. dawned on me earlier that i think he maybe hungers for like a good death like almost kaido kaido-esque you know like he, yeah. he he possibly is hungering for a good fight and a good honorable death you know yeah honestly <clears throat> um there is a moment so like i love that he can like like, Ishigori, like, I know that, like, Uro is kind of, like, a Yuji parallel to me, and I feel like, um, 
Ishigori is almost like Megumi in a sense, you know? Because, like, on, like, page 18, when he's flexing and, like, they're popping off, we'll touch that later. Yeah, um, yeah. But, like, his, like, maniacal, like, it look does. reminds me of Megumi when he's going into his, like, you know, murder mode. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to go beyond my ideal <clears throat> self, you know, where he's, like, really pushing past it. And, like, Ishigori talked about, like, you know, I lived a good life. I, I, I did as I was told. I lived honorably. And I see that in Megumi, right? Like, he's, a, Megumi's the diligent one. He's the responsible one. He's done things by the book. He tries to do that stuff. But there is like a raw, angry, animalistic part of him that slowly peeks out every now and again. Like Megumi isn't like a particularly moral person either. He's not like actively kind or anything. But he's like, you know what? I, I view these ideas. I have a very specific sense of like what is fair and what is just even though it does not match my surroundings or the people around me, but I will follow that. I will hurt those that I feel are worth hurting, and I will save those who I feel are worth saving. And I feel like Ishigori is like a nice, like, what if, right? Like, Uro and Ishigori kind of represent, like, what kind of people Yuji Megumi would have been in a past life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They're not so different you know, this world, this lifestyle draws in very similar kinds of people. And, uh, yeah. It's just something that I, I noticed. I was like, you know, I'm picking up a vibe from yeah. these guys. Yeah, that's... that's. Hmm. It's not like, oh, this is a perfect thing, but, like, it's like, you know, it's a nice little nod. It's a thing yeah. to think about, like, dynamics. Um... Man. So, I mean, I guess, like, going back to kind of where we left off as far as um, progressing through the chapter, <clears throat> we then get this page where boom, 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 um, Udo gets cut. And she says, like, the trajectories of the Shikigami, uh, of the Shikigami constitute the domain. <clears throat> Basically, she says, like, that Yuta is using Druv's curse technique, which... Um, people were saying in the live reaction chat, and I like this as well, that we actually do get to see a use of Drew's cur te curse technique here. He wasn't just like thrown away. I appreciate completely. <clears throat> and then it's explicitly stated that Utah's curse technique is copy. So, um, which has been confirmed initially before. this confused. Yeah, this it's been cursed. It's been confirmed for a while. Um, mm -hmm. Was that confirmed in the prequel? Um, yeah. So Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. He yeah, does I have her speech. Um, okay. Well, you really should I also go see the it, movie. No, 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 don't spoil. Okay, the movie is the movie is zero. So I'm gonna I'm gonna. The movie watch the is movie. the same thing. So like, watch the movie and then read it. I think is gonna be the best way to do it because I think it'd be fun. Either way is good to be honest. Yeah, however yeah. you consume it. Yeah. But it's quite good. And um, I think Yuta did it in the regular series as well. I think he copied Gojo's uh, Infinite Purple at one point, where he oh. like does like the force blast 
because he does the same hand gesture as Gojo and then just pushes someone, you know? Yeah. Um, so, like, initially this kind of confused me because we had, it, we had it stated, like, on page four, Rika is Okotsu's curse technique. And then on, yeah. on later on page 14, Okotsu's curse technique is copy. So initially this really confused the shit out of me. I'm like, does he have mm. two curse techniques? What's really going on here? But now, like, after kind of further thinking about it and reading over it again, also having a conversation... I'm kind of thinking like, and let me know if, you know, maybe you think are thinking along the same lines that like Rika is kind of just a physical manifestation of copy in a way. And even a copy of like maybe his ability, obviously he had it before Rika. Maybe he in a way subconsciously used it to copy Rika Orimoto. You know what I mean? And that's like why that. that's why Rika possibly remained with him after Rika Orimoto passed away. And I she kind of became like a physical thing. manifestation of his ability that can do all these things for him. And I'm thinking maybe even all these weapons that she pulls out like could just possibly be copies of these weapons. Like these are cursed weapons, cursed uh I I think it's stuff that he's like collected. It could be, be that, honest. or you know, it could be copies if we want to think along the lines of, of her being a physical manifestation of copy that can store his cursed energy, copied mm -hmm. weapons, um, and uh -huh. so on and so forth. Yeah, that's interesting. I like that a lot because, um, she was seen as like a sort of spirit that was haunting Yuta initially uh, because he promised that he would marry this girl otomoto um otomo the original rika and then it's like a death do us part regret uh that she died and then that like his regret caused this new rika to like haunt him but he was young and didn't like have full understanding of what was going on now he's older, he's a little more adjusted to it, and he's gotten used to her presence. But I really like your take on it being his copy technique, latching on to that regret, latching on to like the haunting aspect, and making a copy of the original Rika, so that her personality is like a little bit there. Um, because we've seen copies of spirits before, right? Because like yeah. in Shibuya art, we had Toji, be a copy of memories overlaid a corpse programmed into a corpse to act as if toji would so like this is not the first time we've seen <clears throat> copies of dead people transposed onto something via cursed technique yeah and uh so, it could, you know something that could lend to you know earlier we're talking about how rika is like singing and helping him get dressed and shit that could lend to what you're talking about about how uh, she's retained a little bit of the original rika's personality and shit you know mm -hmm. and it's been a long time since jujutsu kaisen zero so like she may have grown as a entity right through these new experiences that she's existed like as for the time that she's existed she may be gaining a new personality and a little bit of an outlook growth 
as a living thing, as an extension of you to a living being. Yeah. Um, which I think is really quite interesting. Um, and one thing that I quite like is that, like, Uro is literally flying around butt-ass naked, wreathed in, like, invisible atmosphere clothing, like the like like a real version of the Emperor's new clothes. Yeah. And, like, the thing that I quite like is that not a single person gives a fuck or, like, notices or, like, cares. Because I could see, like, any other Arthur just being, like, Utah being, like, oh, oh, ooh, ooh, modesty, you know, that kind of thing. He's like, no, you're trying to kill me. I'm going to put you down. Like, right, exactly. You know, and we do get a little bit of rare fan service from... Gege here in this chapter yeah. you know, on page 13 with the cheeks yeah yeah like like she is like it's a, it's a it's a it's a very interesting way to go it's like you know not hyper sexualized but still like yes attractive portraying like like a noble body and it's like huh but even then it's still like treated as a whole person with their own motivations without like any like loss of agency due to sexualization you know what i mean yes i definitely know where you're coming from there yeah so i i, I quite like that um, um but yeah i think you know really we would kind of although we got left to talk about is the red the last kind of bit of the chapter here right where uh <laughs> the finale on nineteen. Oh, as yeah. uh, as Uro gives her climactic speech, Ishigori says, "Ah, oh, shut up! At this point, words are pointless." And they all hit it with that Ryugitenkai domain expansion from all three of them. Triple domain expansion. Yeah. I also like that the word bubbles are interesting because like... yes, I thought this as well because I think. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, their, like, their speech bubbles, like, reflect the emotional states of the characters. Yeah. Um, Ryu is living the life that Megumi wishes he could, because, like, because, like, Megumi doesn't, like, overreact very often, whereas Ryu Ishigori is just, like, I want to go all out all the time. Yes. I want to, like, flex, I want to howl at the moon, I want to piss in the street, like, I want to fight, fuck eat, feast, you know, like, do everything in excess. Um, Uro is just pissed off yep. as hell. She's yep. like, you know, my standards and your standards, there's a huge generational cultural disconnect adding to her frustration and, like, her, you know, the fact that he is not, she feels like he knows nothing. How can you judge me when you know nothing? Yeah. Um, I totally agree. I think... The bordering of the dialogue bubbles paired with the punctuation of their <clears throat> their uh, sentences paired again with you know thirdly with like the the expressions and the art on the characters mm -hmm. all is super telling and like perfectly indicative of how they're feeling in this situation like you're like you're talking about we get from Uro and Ishigori very frantic. Pan, um, border on their He's dialogue bubbles <clears throat> showing that they're in a wild emotional state from Uro we, we have anger like you were just touching on 
single exclamation point showing that she's just very just like angry riled up and excited yuta's mm-hmm. dialogue bubble clean border single composed. period calm composed just another day at work and then we get ishigori obviously another you know very frantic kind of border on the bubble showing he's in a in a wild emotional state but we get three exclamation frenzy. points um from him showing that like he's very excited that told me and this yeah, really like feeding frenzy this was what drove home the nail for me on like him possibly being like if it is a situation where one dies one joins i think it's got to be ishigori that dies because he just seems so excited and happy to be in this fight right now and Mm -hmm. i think that is what he hungers for is like a good fight to the death and an honorable death or an honorable honorable victory over a person that he deemed as like worthy for that fight which obviously is utah um so yeah, I don't know. I think I think it would be almost poetic and, and good to see him go out like that, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm if that really, is, you know, a correct interpretation so. of how he's like thinking and feeling. I could be totally wrong about it. Um, I mean, I think that fits. Yeah, and like I said, um, I do also like the idea of kind of that um reconciliation storyline mm-hmm. between Uro and Yuta, you know, that subplot. So, I don't know. But sorry. Yeah. Continue. Um, I mean, I think about, like, the way he's like, why can't I be satisfied? Where's the dessert to my life? Um, and the fact that, like, the way he's like, I really like cigarettes, which are basically, like, he's chain-smoking. Cigarettes are temporary, fleeting. You burn bright for a little bit, and it all ends up passing away into smoke it's almost like uh like incense on the wind yeah you know uh like funerary incense and just like the embers burn out there's a very poetic ending to like cigarettes in like most media um so yeah i I definitely feel like you know he's he's hungering he's like why do i uh, I, why am i unsatisfied when i'm doing everything i want to do and he's like you want a glorious death based off the culture of the time like you were from the heian period when warriors rode and fought for glory and a and a, a noble death was you know the peak like uro she wants to live yeah ishigori you know i think he's living to die kind of thing i would um, I, I think i'd be inclined to agree um i really like the fact that like you can see Yuka's <clears throat> ring and like it's reacting to something Yep. In this, in this, where uh, Rika, I don't know what their the domains are gonna be like at all. Right. Like, what does a sky domain look like? Yeah. Let's so, so let's unpack game. this a little bit because this is definitely something we gotta unpack. So that's the first question, right? Is like, what the fuck do any of their domains look like? Because <sighs> sky is probably the easiest to deduce. Like a, a sky domain is sky based maybe they're like up in the air or something if if hers prevails that's another thing we got to talk about how that's going to function so ishigori's curse technique is what like the lasers um yeah he has a move called granite blast and right, he's right, kind right. of a sniper so i feel like he's going to create like mountainous terrain to like elevate himself um i feel like uro is going to create wind um there was talk at one point in like a previous episode, I was saying it'd be cool if um, 
Yuta's ability was like a wedding chapel because Rika and he were, you know, till death do us part, I'm marrying you, the ring, the whole thing. So I was wondering about that as sort of like an enclosed space, etc. Um, that would be that would be cool because I'm wondering like, yeah, does does his domain is it gonna have more to do like I okay so like this is the best way to put what I'm trying to like pose mm-hmm. is it gonna be more centric around Rika? And the di- the dynamic between he and Rika and their thing, or is it going to be more centric around the actual like copy ability? Like, because uh, I mean, some people were posing in the in the chat of the live reaction earlier today. It could possibly be a thing where his domain is uh, literally a blank slate and um, funhouse mirror, and whoever whichever ability he's utilizing at the at that point in his copy repertoire will mm-hmm. kind of alter the aesthetic state of his domain if that makes sense or the functionality oh, of it what yeah. happens in it also some people were saying you know like invested in your um your speculation that it could have been like a wedding chapel you know people were saying that in the chat and like it would have more to do with rika i i i'm just very curious i in that sense to like to know which which it'll be more centric around so like what are your thoughts on that i guess you'd probably your answer would be the wedding chapel because you you're more you know initially yes but part of me wonders if it's like fun house mirrors like like a maze of mirrors because he is a copy he mirrors his opponents that would be and it's a good way to like throw off an opponent's ability like waste their attacks by having them attack what they think is him, but it's just a reflection bounced through things. Mm. Um, I think it's important to note that like domain expansions are very powerful. They're like major abilities. Um, I think Kenjaku once talked about uh, domains, um, old school domains, right? Tended towards one hit kill type stuff. Mm-mm. No. No, that's sorry. Opposite. I don't mean I, I'm not. I didn't mean to cut you off like that. But uh, just to clarify, what he said at that time, you're you're right. Okay. But he was saying that the newer domains have, I think, because what he was saying is that be, because of the evolution of cursed energy and cursed techniques, newer domains have become much more powerful, and like are more aimed at that like. You know, a lot of them have that one hit, uh, sure hit, you know, functionality mm-hmm. where they have the sure hit abilities within the domain that are going to like one shot the fuck out of you. Um, and like they become much less common because of that. But I think okay. what he said at the time is that old school sorcerers from the past, like domains were a lot more common and like less powerful in the, not less powerful, I shouldn't say, but like less potent. Less in the aspect of that one like you basically the sure hit functionality wasn't a thing back then and domains were a lot more common and much more based around the actual enforcement of the rules of your curse technique yeah that's how i remember him saying it i think people in the live chat were saying that's how it was as well in the comments let us know if that's like wrong or right or whatever but i'm fairly sure that's what he said so i want to see how era affects how they view their course to domain their domain expansions so if uh so 
Utah's is probably going to be more focused and have that surefire hit ability. Yeah. And then Uro and Ishigori would probably have abilities, domains that influence like terrain so that like representative of their personalities and then also um, kind of give them a physical terrain advantage over the opponent. Yes, and um, that would go in line with the, you know, more aimed at the enforcement and enhancement of their curse technique rules and stipulations mm -hmm. and yeah, 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 I think you're, yeah, you're Yeah, right. like I imagine that like Ishigori's thing is that if he shoots like rocky terrain, it basically takes that cursed energy, absorbs it a little bit and then explodes. Damn, that could be cool. So that, because like that's what I'm imagining because he's like granite blast, like I'm imagining like a quarry explosion kind of thing, um, like in mining. And then yeah. I probably think that Uros involves like the star, moon, and skies, like star, mm -hmm. moon, and suns, and like is like a night sky with also a sun in the middle. Um, so like I imagine like constellations overhead and lots lots of wind. Um, and I think it would be interesting because it's a triple domain expansion, yep. which means domains are going to be fighting for dominance right so that's buying that space that will be all warped and pieced together and like mismatched well that's my biggest question about this is that like as far as my understanding of the cursed energy system goes and how it was stated when it was explained this was i i don't know how long ago um but when it comes to two domains being activated two or more at the same time it's literally the stronger one prevails yeah so i like because we saw this really early uh jogo and and gojo like they both activate their um their mm. their their domain expansion you know gojo hits him with the infinite void and and like literally fucking blows his mind apart and I'm pretty sure at that time or, you know, around that time, it was explained that, like, yeah, when it comes to multiple domains being activated, the stronger one is just going to prevail. So I, that was my biggest, like, question about this is, like, is that only two of them? And they kind of – is that only how it works for two of them is what I'm trying to say. Sorry, I'm kind of, like, fumbling over no, my no, words. I'm picking and, up like, they down. left – like Gage split, you know, intentionally left out at that time the functionality of like three or more, you know, and it possibly oh. is going to be a situation where they're all kind of, you know, going back and forth or fighting for supremacy or even all activated at the same time. Because I, how I interpret the cursed energy system right now, it's like I see Utah's just kind of prevailing, you know, and oh. I don't want to see that because I would like to see theirs. So I'm trying to find yeah. a way around that. Like maybe there was an intentional um, kind of from Gay Gay just like leaving out of some information about the cursed energy system. Maybe we'll get a new functionality. Typically like the, the energy system is very solid and we don't usually get like surprise introductions mm -hmm. of rules to it. But I think in this case, you know, it could be an interesting thing to see and, and to make this make a little more sense and introduce a new aspect to it another thing that Knox brought up potentially is he was like thinking maybe we could get an introduction of a new caveat to the cursed energy system where in a situation like this where there's multiple domains fighting for supremacy 
maybe one does win out, but then if a critical hit gets landed on that person, like theirs kind of gets the terrain rewrites itself. You kind of there kind of gets usurped, and somebody else's mm -hmm. takes over until they can maybe land a critical hit, and it can go back and forth that way. I'm just trying to, like I said, find maybe a hoop to jump through here I, around I, I, my I understanding that. of how the cursed energy system works, which is typically very, very fucking solid and, and does not defy its rules. Mm, so, you know? two points. Two points. First point, with Gojo and Ju Jogo and Gojo, god damn it, old Volcano Man and not-so-old uh, Infinity Man. Uh, <laughs> there's an overwhelming difference in power. Mm -hmm. Gojo yes. was like miles ahead. Whereas I feel like it's going to be a little different in this case, where all three of them are relatively in similar positions, right? Like they are roughly comparable, mm -hmm. I think, which can lead to a scenario. Have you ever played the game uh, Psychonauts? Yeah. So, <clears throat> sorry, before you continue something else, I just remembered that also factors into this real quick is that, like, when you're in another person's domain, it goes so far that you can't even use, like, your cursed energy, right? Uh, it depends. I believe so. I think so. Correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, but just continue. So you were talking about I think it you seals about... techniques to a degree. Yeah. But I think that this is going to lead oh, to yeah, it's technique, not thing. cursed energy. You can yeah. still use cursed energy reinforcement and stuff, but you can't use your actual technique. Um, thank yeah. you for clarifying that. Yeah, continue. But, Psychonauts? So, like, with Psychonauts, remember when they were, like, fusing their brains? So, like, like Psychonauts basically was, like, my original domain expansion I don't, like, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with Psychonauts, but, like, I'm sure people are, so just continue. Um, yeah, so you dive into someone's brain and you visit this world, and it's, like, a little video game level based off their psyche and, like, their personality, and there's, like, bad guys and minions, defenses, mental defenses that, like, spring up to attack you and, like, puzzles based off their, like, personal traumas and stuff. Mm. So I imagine that there's a part in the game where someone else's influence is affecting someone's mind and so their mental psyche gets corrupted and there's an overlap where like things are implanted into their mind and there's like a mix of two worlds where they don't quite match up but they're like jammed all together in this amalgamation and that's kind of what i imagine with the hmm. triple domain expansion of people that are relatively equal strength interesting is that they're going to create one really muddled chaotic storm of domains and they're all going to have access to their techniques they're all going to have access to the bonuses of their stuff and it's going to look like a, a little bit like an escher painting you know what i mean where it's like here's this here's this here's this like 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 a collage of sorts like a chaotic collage a storm of domains overlapping each other like a venn diagram or something yeah yeah that could and i imagine be that it's going to be a very patchwork and very piecemeal and then based on you know this person is focusing or like hitting their groove their zone or not take not being wailed on by the others they're going to be able to exert more of their domain over them and then they're going to get focused by the others so that they don't win this weird like Good, bad, and the, uh, good, bad, and the ugly three-way standoff. Yeah. So that's what I think is going to happen. Huh. Um, 
and we'll just have to see. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's basically it. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I think I don't. I don't really have anything else for this chapter. Um, the last thing I have for the chapter is that like, very few people are like people were talking like, oh, Utah's kind of like so so. You know, he's just strong against these guys. He's the first student of Gojo's that is able to do a full domain expansion. Like, Megumi does a partial one, right? But, like, Yuta is this generation's Gojo. Yeah. Because Gojo is all about raising the next generation. And so far, Yuta's the only one that's able to do a domain expansion. He's truly a special grade sorcerer. He's earned that rank ability, even though he his, his full power is a burst of five minutes. You know what I mean? So, like, I think it's very interesting, and I think this solidifies him as, like, the next, like, parallel to Gojo for his generation. Yeah. Because he can do a full domain expansion. Other than that, yeah. I don't really have anything else. Yeah, I can't wait for next chapter, man. I'm so fucking excited <sighs> to see how this shit goes, man. I am salivating. Like, next week is going to be lit. But, yeah, I think that about does it for this chapter of Jujutsu Kassim. Mm-hmm. All right, well, with that, I think we can go ahead and jump right into last week's chapter of My Hero Academia, chapter 347, Inflation. (laughs) Yeah, man, this... uh, It's a killer. My hero right now, man, is just wild. Um, So, we get clarification on what, like, my kind of... Uh, confusion was about what the fuck is happening here with Shigaraki right at, right away in this chapter basically um, Monoma's like I'm still staring Erasure is still in effect and so they're like is this not a quirk then um, and Shigaraki basically says that this is simple growth just my body on its own the same way my hair and nails grow longer um, and so what basically he says over the course of his dialogue is that this is the next evolution in human um, like quirk theory that people will just be able to like grow their bodies like this at will hmm uh well like says the the, okay so it says the body must adapt to uh ever evolving quirks this new form that humanity acquires is the next step for a superpowered society in line with the singularity proposed by garaki um you people who sweep it all under the rug and shy away from the inevitable future could couldn't possibly comprehend so like yeah there what you know what people were saying that he was saying is that that's the next human step in human evolution as far as like quirk theory goes and singularity theory is that you know because of how crazy strong quirks are becoming through quirk evolution and fusion through birth and mm-hmm. that the body will just evolve this way yeah and this is just one potential evolution he's like the human body as you know it is fluid like this is just the next step this is the new shape i can generate this because i i am the next step in humanity um the thing that i really want to touch on is goddamn that's a lot of hands like horikoshi was talking about how they're like i love drawing hands unlike a lot of artists and that they are probably the most expressive part of the human body to him. I pity 
the animators that are going to be forced to draw so much hand right. in this. Like, yeah. look at that disgusting detail. He is just straight flexing. Yeah, and drawing hands everyone. is known. Like, it's known that drawing hands is like. It takes a lot of skill, yeah, to actually draw hands well. So, like, a lot of people can't. Even they professional can't artists. Handle it. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Something else that was really cool I saw. Like, um, right under <laughs> the hand panel, the comments, please. <laughs> page three is that, like, um, what the fuck? Oh, Miracle. I don't know why I blanked on her name. Miracle basically has spare limbs and shit just on deck, mm -hmm. which was super tight to me. And they're, like, different styles. Like, her foot is different now. Yeah, yeah. The one we That's saw before different. was, like, a, a round, you know, with, like, it's toe soft. lines. But this one actually has, like you know, spikes for the toes and it looks different. Like there's a different curve and a different bend. Yeah. Even the arm is a little different where it's a little blockier and less more like a, like a satellite, you know, with the jutting sides, um, the flaring sides, it looks more solid. Um, I, I just, I think that's great. I love that because like she's a bruiser, she's strong as fuck. And like you're fighting the end boss. If you have your prosthetics destroyed, like with all the thought they put into this, I'm glad that they took into account her, you know, missing limbs and like made sure that she was going to be able to fight at full capacity, even if her prosthetics were destroyed in the process. Yeah. Um, going into like a page five, I guess it's basically them like what the fuck do we do about the situation they're like yo um meteoria meteoria radios in like yo toga nab me i'm requesting a warp and i thought this narration slash monologue we got you know from like the narrator and mm -hmm. um best genist on page five was super tight where it's like Monoma can only activate one copied quirk at a time. You know, switching from that this quirk to that quirk, going to get him, bringing him back, and getting the erasure back on is going to take around 10 seconds, which is not a lot of time. But they're basically saying, like, if we let him have access to his quirks for even that amount of time and all these cap hands are capable of his decay, he's literally going to kill us all in that amount of time. We can't reject, we can't, like, punt off and, like, we can't shed enough, fast enough to, like, stop that level of decay. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they're basically telling Deku, like, we have our hands full here. You're going to have to get here on your own, which is uh, definitely a good thing, I think, just because... It's not, it's not, uh, it's not a gimme, you know, it's not, it's not yeah, an it's easy exciting. way around the obstacle. It's, it's butt clenchy. It's, it's, you know, good it for forces, Deku's character. Yeah. Yeah. It forces the villains like, like Shigaraki upping the ante for them and them having to take them seriously and legitimately and not be like, well, we have powers. We can just do whatever we want. It's, you know, it's not like Harry Potter where like, oh, I wave a wand and I immediately fix the whatever problem I'm dealing with. You know, that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, I really like this moment with Shigaraki on page six, where his entire face is asymmetrical. And it, I think that's a nod to him and All for One still kind of sharing his body a little bit. Yeah, because that know, does like, look like All for One smile on the left side mm-hmm. of his face and All for on One's one eye. Side, kind of. And then Shigaraki, his like bags under his eyes, the more raw kind of face. And I'm just like, yes, I like that a lot. Um that's just it's just cool I, I i love the little like artistic nods to that and like even previously on two three right their voice the voice change for him in the font like he's like the same way my hair and nails grow he talks about his body it's clean it's uh you know composed i think that's, that's a, all for one's influence all the way the way he's you know very eloquent and then Shigaraki, yeah, he restates something that he said earlier, in a, uh, prior in the series, that he genuinely believes. And, like, you can see the font is, like, rough and gritty and kind of like how his voice was in the beginning of the series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of his dialogue bubbles are like that now that you mention it, like. And the text within, like, they're just, they have that, uh, yeah. that bordering and that, that font to them. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love that. Because, like, even in the anime, his voice changed. A little bit. At what point? Um, I think around the time he started doing, like, the liber... Like, yeah. Like, someone was telling me that, like, his voice got sexy. Like, they, they made his voice sexier. And instead of that nasally, rough-looking voice, they made him, like, Hey, hello, how are you? That kind of thing. Um... But yeah, that's just a little nod. I think that's just more of like influence and growth of a series when you're trying to mimic uh, a manga via anime. Um, I'm really excited for this fight because like best genus, edge shot, they're very mobile. We've got Sun Eater. We've got, um, oh God, what's her name? The Spiral Lady? Um, uh, Nejire Hado. Nejire, yes. You've got her, she's mobile. Same with Bakugo, so there's, like, limited flying. Mirko is, like, an athletic beast and, like, bouncing she's off She's running along Best Genius's lines and shit, yeah. Dude, she's gonna, like, Tarzan, like, surf, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm looking up, like, this is a highly mobile fight. I'm really excited for that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then we got my boy Tamaki, like, too, of course. Sun mm-hmm. Eater. You mentioned him already. I love that. that. You just called him Sun Eater, which I'm not used to, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'm bare of names. I'm, I have no other hero. That's his hero name. Funny. That's you know what I'm saying. That's that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. But no, he's mm-hmm. one of my favorite characters. I can't wait to see you know some some flexing from him mm-hmm. here against Shigaraki. Yeah, um, there's a nice little bit of levity here. I like um, the interactions with Mirko and Bakugo, and how they're just fucking delinquents. <laughs> they're just both fucking delinquents. Yeah. Like, stay focused. You want some too? Your reply ought to be sure. <laughs> and Mirko just looks so hard, man. Like, the half an ear on her right side, the, the prosthetic mm-hmm. limbs. Like, she's, uh Yeah, she's a straight velveteen rabbit, man. She's looking rough. She's so real. 
Oh, man. But yeah, we move on to this, uh, the Okuto Island situation where 200 mm-hmm. kilometers offshore, they're fighting Toga and them on uh, an island that Gang Orca apparently owns. Yeah, this is actually a cool reference to Horikoshi's earlier series where uh, Gang Orca was the bad guy and he ran in the Okuto Aquarium in that world. Really? Yeah. Um... It was basically like a magical zoo and there was like a like a like a magic rabbit that could like talk and walk. It was very Roger Rabbit but like shonen protagonist. And there was like these magical animals that could like they were like, We're animals, we're doing things. Um Yeah, it's a really cool series. You should check it out. Um I remember reading it and I was like, I fell in love with Gang Orca as a villain and I was like and so when he came back I was like <gasps> Yes Horikoshi. Hell yeah. Thank you. Redemption, Gangurka. Mm-hmm. It yeah, feels it's... like a like a rave master kind of like recycling of characters, the the Orkine Six and stuff like that. We got Moonfish making a return here in this chapter. Fuck yeah, he's so creepy. Yeah, wild, wild um, man. There's a little nod right here to the anime that so you know in anime they did like their internships mm. as sort of like a filler arc. And the girl in the sailor outfit addressing Froppy on page 10 is her, like, intern mentor, internship mentor from the anime. So I like that she's in there to, like, add that level of, like, canonness to the anime a little bit. And I'm like, that's that's a cool nod. I like that a lot. That is cool. Like, yeah, I was like, she didn't really exist until the anime and then i'm like oh she's now exists in the anime and in the manga that's awesome like uh you know like i'm used to like naruto level filler where it's never acknowledged like will i ever see you again no you're a filler character goodbye yeah yeah that's wild oh yeah but yeah we basically get Froppy saying uh, the shockwave carried away Deku and, and Ochako. And then... Ochako's like asking what they say over the intercom. He's telling her the situation and then Toga rushes in. And we get Toga saying that she doesn't want Deku to go. And then Deku's confused over why Danger Sense doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And then we get the climactic bit of dialogue from Toga that uh, she wants Deku to be her boyfriend. Please don't go. Please don't go. I love you so. I love you so. Ah, ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. I mean, we we were like, everyone was just like, nah, she likes him too much. That's why it's not viewed as harm by the danger sense. And I'm like, yes, confirmation. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, yeah but i mean i guess the only thing i really have to say about this like we we can we can kind of pretty much just use this as a segue into the next chapter if we want but like the art on this toga panel at the end is like superb yeah she's so cute and then like in the background people are just dying getting fucked up blood splashing everywhere and i'm like that is the most toga backdrop ever yeah it is definitely cool to kind of, you know, just finally get this confirmation and her can, you know, just saying it outright. Um, 
And I mean, yeah, I guess we can just kind of use that as a nice little segue into chapter 348 of My Hero Academia, Unrequited, where Deku is obviously like reeling over this. He's like, did you say boyfriend? Uh, wait, what? <laughs> uh, what? Um, but yeah, we, we get a little bit of narration about the... toga situation the history of it right um but also about one for all and it says izuku midori was the ninth wheeler of one for all and the key to this particular battle since the advent of the extraordinary one for all had been the only power in japan no the entire world that the shadowy mastermind all for one obsessed over and now this boy was the vessel for that very power he had encountered toga a number of times by this point but since she had never come uh, right out and expressed her affection in words he had never realized the way she felt about him so Deku initially seems very upset by this. Like he's pissed. It's really funny. I mean, he's just taken aback. Like he seems flustered. Like you can see him blushing as well. And he's like, because for all of his tribes, he's just a damn nerd. Maidenless. He's maidenless. He's not maidenless. He's not. Hey, we were going over this in the Twitch chat, man. Liked he's him. got Uraraka. He's got Hatsume Mei. He's got the Fox Girl. You That's know the ship, man. He's those got, are the ships man. talking. Those, those are the ships talking, brother. Nah. It hasn't been confirmed. He hasn't gone on a date. He it's, hasn't, like, said those things. He got like, Toga. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he got Toga. Man got stripes out here. Oh, uh, man. No, like, he's still a nerd, and he's, like, you know, never really thinking about that. He's like, oh, he gets embarrassed. He's very flustered by it. Like, it makes sense. But he's exhibiting a little maidless behavior. It's okay. I'm okay yeah. with that. Um, I just think that's funny because he's like a kind of dense when it comes to social cues, which makes sense. He's not the best socialized. He's a really chill guy, but like, you know, not the best socialized. Um, I think it's interesting that he looks like her first crush. And... I don't know where that guy... I've seen that guy before. He looks very familiar, and not just because he looks like Deku. I wonder if he's from, like, a previous series, or from, like, a flashback that Toga had during this series, or, like, maybe, like, a one-shot, like a, like a My Hero one-shot, because there was one where they had um, the six-shooter guy, uh, Snipe Hero, there was a there was a one shot that he did before my hero, which was about a guy who was like sell like a like a like a hero tool salesman, and he gets saved by snipe, and he looked, I think he looked kind that salesman kind of looked like Deku, so I wonder if that's also like a throwback to like a previous series, because like he's done that before with Gang Orca, and I'm like. Please, in the comments, please let me know if I'm tripping or if it's, like, any of the options that I put out there. Um, but I just, like, ah, oh, man, he seems familiar, and not just because he looks like Deku. Uh, um, God, she's so creepy in that page three. Like, um, yeah, the art on that is, like, haunting. Just, like, that, sh that shading, that her expression, that... Turning the nose into, that, like... 
malice, but also at the same time, aggressive it's affection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 wild. I I like how Deku is trying to like stabilize his mentality and be like, wait, what? Like, because even his like ability is like flaring up a little bit, like. And yeah. he's like, boyfriend, like a guy you take to the amusement park date who holds we hands with. Split, split a crepe with. with. And I was like, man, you're just a classic, like, stereotype romance. He's like, because he doesn't really know a lot about stuff. So, like, that's his view of romance. Yeah. And I think it's really funny that Ochako is, like, listening to that. And she's like, I, I want to do all those things. I, I, I want to do all those things. I know. She's like, I got my plan of attack. Start on that knowledge. Later. Hell yeah, she's definitely about to take Deku to an amusement park and split a crepe with him. Let's go. Yeah. But she's because like Toga's talking about like for me turning into someone else is all about love. It's the only way I can feel satisfied. Ooh. Um, and even though she's like being very provocative, saying like, "What do you want to do to me?" Um, it 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 really shows how like there's that gap in her perception of things. Because she views, like, this is my love. If you don't want it, it's rejection. But she never really thinks about how do others feel love, right? She doesn't think about, like, how would Deku feel loved? How can I make him feel loved? As opposed to this very one-sided, nearly parasocial, like, attachment to another person. Like, this is my love. It's, like... Very, very one-sided form of affection. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's very interesting, and I think that that's, that's her true flaw, is that, like, she can't prioritize another person's, like, the way that they also are loved. She can't reconcile both those things together, so she chooses the one. And any denial or saying, like, no, thank you, I'll pass from getting stabbed is like a rejection of her, and then she lashes out because yeah. of that feeling of rejection. Um, yeah, I think, you know, that definitely could be, you could be onto something with that. Yeah, like, he tries to relate to her, and it's like, hey, man, like, you know, I want to be all my forever. Like, I get it, I get it, but I would never want to hurt someone I love. And she's just kind of saddened by the fact, like, ah, that is the right response. That's the normal, culturally accepted response. But that's just not me. Yeah, and, and then, especially that, yeah, I think you're onto that. That's what she thought in that moment, because she does think back to people, you know, kind of scolding her, like, why can't you just be normal? Mm-hmm. Or like how sad, like she's like being pitied, and she's like, I fucking hate being pitied. Um, and that moment where she, her eyes harden, and she goes into like, you know, that eye of the tiger, the thrill of the hunt kind of thing, because she does that mode where she's like, I'm gonna cold bloodedly kill everyone here. Mm-hmm. She did that in the Paranormal Liberation front arc um, a time or two. So, like, it's nice to see that. Um, she's really living up to the name Toga, being a tiger like that. Um, 
And there's this little thing here at the top of seven where both Deku and Uraraka are like thoughts of Himiko Toga popped into my head. And I think they're having like a little brain blast of like understanding her. Yeah. And like really reaching like there I feel like there's still like this level where they might try to pull like a Lady Nagant kind of things like, hey, we we don't really want to fight you. We don't really want to reject you. But you gotta like meet us halfway or something. You know? Yeah. And like maybe kind of reconcile the differences in the way they feel love. Yeah. But then her equipment just detaches. Didn't know that was happening. That's cool as fuck. Like little rocket propelled sharp objects. Oh yeah, no, yeah. She's got the 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 propelled syringes. Yeah, yeah. That's cool as fuck. Like I I remember her like equipment when it was first shown off in like the the training arc when like Dobby and Twice were first introduced in the forest fire and the campgrounds and stuff. Like in muscular and stuff. I remembered all that stuff. This is the first time I've ever seen her equipment just like detach and fly off trying to like seek for blood. Yeah. Very grasping. I think but uh that's uh that's actually how she ended up getting Uraraka's blood was with the flying syringe. Um mm-hmm. but the dialogue we get from her on, on seven there at the bottom, you know, you think that heroes and those that they protect are the only ones who count as real people so people like you and i are destined to remain apart i think that we know you know from deku's interactions with certain villains that this isn't true Mm -hmm. um so i think since he's you know leaving obviously uraraka will will you know be the one to show her that that isn't necessarily true you know Mm -hmm. um because we did get the bit of dialogue from uraraka and deku that about Toga, like they kind of do want to save her. If I kind they of really do, because like on page nine in the double spread, you know, Ochako was saying like, "Hey, since that we met that day, I've been thinking hard about you." But like, she's resolved herself. Like, look at the font in which she's saying, right? Like, you haven't been on my mind, not anymore. I thought maybe I had a shot with Izuku, but nope. I'm all over that now. I'm, you know, she's trying to convince herself. Yeah. And she mimics Shigaraki's words. The world rejected me, so I reject the world. Yeah. And she's using the same font that he does when he speaks about hating the world. Yeah. So she's like, you know, she's steeled herself. She's fo- she's trying to focus herself. Maybe lying to herself a little bit she's like nope i'm all over it i just got rejected immediately nope i'm shutting down it's it's a little bit like um god those dudes that shoot their shot on like social media and the girl's just like ugh no and then he's like you're ugly anyway bitch like that kind of energy that's that's what i'm feeling from himiko i'm just like "Mm, i don't feel like you're over it like little mad and, like, you can even tell, because, like, if you go back to 6 and 7, on 7, you see this little lightning bolt go off. And I think that's the transition from, like, her attacks were being driven by genuine affection, whereas danger because sense. of this rejection, she's attacking with malice. And now Danger Sense is active. They were saying that in the live reaction chat as well, that mm-hmm. that um, gutter is indicative of Danger Sense. 
I think so. Man. Also, so, yeah. Froppy just drop kicking. Drop kicked the fuck out of yeah. Toga was tight as fuck. Um, as because, she's about boom. to say, as, as she's about to say, I was sure sure you'd understand me. After all, you and I fell for the same person. Sorry, can't after secret that Weasley. No. Nah. But also, um, like that. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. Um. Also that. I I like that. I I just really enjoy the fact that like Suyu's there. Like she and Ochako were the first people that Toga interacted with, period, in the series. And it's fitting that like they're kind of bookending probably the end of her in this series. Like nice full arc. I like yeah. that little circle back. Nice ball on top of the story arc, the the, the subplot, the Toga storyline. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, Froppy comes in, like basically says, "Listen, like last thing you need to be doing here is talking about romance and bullshit here, Deku. Like get going, we'll handle this shit." <clears throat> she's and, so cold. <laughs> right? Yeah, she is. She's cold and calculated. That's she's known to be. Start. She's the no-nonsense friend. No-nonsense. Talk shit to people's face. Like, she'll talk shit to Bakugo in his face. Like, yeah, no wonder you're unpopular. Like, right. what a dickhead. <laughs> He's like, what? Yeah, just see? Always overreacting. Jeez. Right. Um. Yeah, we get this nice interaction between Deku and Uraraka, where she says, Deku, get Shigaraki. Good luck. You know what I'm saying? And then he thinks mm -hmm. back to, uh, I think this is... Ochako's dialogue. I guess both of us are kind of weird. I think this might be a, it, it's either Ochako or Toga. Like mm. that's what I'm thinking. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head. Like it doesn't like ping anything for me in the memories. If you guys in the comments oh, would be kind enough to like. I think maybe that was her dialogue to Deku when they were to, when they were talking about Toga. She was mm. talking about Toga and saying, "I guess both of us are kind of weird." Maybe it's mm. him, like, the light bulb moment because of what Toga was just saying, like, does she like me? <laughs> I don't think he's focusing on that because even Sui is like, don't focus on romance, focus on the job ahead. Right. Like, maybe he'll come to a real realization later, but, like, he's, like, stealing his resolves. Like, I hate leaving you guys here with unresolved work, to, like, fighting the battle for me, but, like, I do need to go. Yeah you know he's resolving himself as well and then i is he straight up running on the surface of the water yep dude that's yeah. cool that's like a little bit of float a little bit of float a little bit of uh speed i like that that's yeah. really cool that's raw as fuck so yeah yeah he's, just he's gonna, our modern jesus for sure he's gonna blitz right to the island um i think i'd like to see this this subplot wrapped up the toga stuff and then maybe we get this like wrapped up and then at the end of next chapter after this is wrapped up we get a shift to deku while he's like mm -hmm. running the last bit of it thinking like about you know oh how's it going here you know i don't even know i can't communicate with him and then as he pulls up to like it like it's a bad situation and, and that's going to be like kind of the end of next chapter yeah yeah I think that's how I'd like see to that. see things flow, but we could definitely maybe just shift Same. 
shift right to a lot of people want Deku to get his I am here moment. You know, climactic, like, poof, comes out of nowhere. So, I mean, a lot of people, I think, wanted to shift to the Shigaraki situation and then have him show up, you know, unexpectedly. Or, you know, we obviously expect him to, but, you know. I mean, I feel like we're going to wrap up the Toga stuff. You're going to have um, the beginning of all for one and Dobby versus Shoto and Todoroki, right? Like these are going, like he's traveling, he's got time. He's going to be off screen for a while. They're going to have the Dobby stuff. They're going to have the Endeavor stuff. And then once the, all that's wrapped up or they start bouncing between AFO and Shigaraki in equal measure, then we can have the boom, I am here. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's that's the trajectory this is going to go. Yeah, that could but definitely... But, like, Toga's stance on the last page 13, like, she looks so cold in this one. Yeah, she looks tight. It's great. It's so hard to live being me, even though I'm full of all this love. All this love. It's That's a creepy, creepy line. I love it. She, She's terrifying. Like, I love Himiko Toko. She's she's a fucking great character. I agree. But um, I think that's about all I had for this chapter of My Hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, I think we can go ahead and jump right into the last chapter of the night. The Peace de l'Existence. Chapter 1043 of One Piece. Wow. Last week's chapter. Um, it was on break this week, so... Yeah. Uh, Let's face death together is the name of the chapter. And we get color, or not color cover, but uh, cover story. Um, An emotionless excursion, volume seven, arrived at Whole Cake Island. And we have the castle still cut down. We got oven and brulee carrying the um, the book with Yonji and Niji in it into you know into Whole Cake Island to the prisoner jail, but. I'm curious about the group of people that's in front of them and and like what they're doing, who they are, who they are, what they're on and shit. You know, I don't know. I'm just curious because of the question mark in the last cover story. I don't know. I think somebody's about to try and break them out. Hmm. But not to spend too much time on that. Uh, we obviously start the chapter with um, Kaido. Bopping Luffy on his shit. Luffy's knocked out. We get Momo saying, you know, I can't hear Luffy's voice anymore. I like the balloon aspect of him. Where he's just jacked and then because it's unconscious, all that air that's inside his body just zips out and he goes up in the air like a balloon and lands the next page. Yep. Bop just slams on the ground and Kaido's like visually upset. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get the narration, Battle on the Roof of the Skull Dome, winner, Kaido, King of the Beasts. And um, I love how he literally is just like, looks at the CP0 dude and he's like, so you're prepared for what happens next. And he just <laughs> fucking tips his hat and Kaido says, Nah! Destroyed his ass, bro. 
And then the other CP guy probably is, like, watching and just tips his hat as well. I think that was, like, the hat tips, like, a goodbye to his fellow agent. Yeah. He's like, I'm not dodging this shit. He's too bad. Like, yeah, that could good. be that could be true for sure. Yeah. yeah, that's that's man, but yeah, Kaido definitely hella upset that he got his honorable, you know, fight robbed from him a second time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so basically, it's chaos inside the castle. Like the ceiling is collapsing now. That Kaido did did that shit and everything's on fire they're all trying to run away and Kaido comes down in his dragon form like I'm down here now bitch like bring Momo to me I need his surrender Luffy's dead anyone else trying to get this smoke I'm right here what's up and um everybody's you know having different reactions to it Obviously, people yeah. on the on the on his allied side are like, "Yeah, good, yeah, good shit, Kaido. We knew it." Everybody else is like, mm, "I don't know," except for Law saying. Also, he can sense the voice of all things. He's like, "Oh, his voice vanished," and I love the resolve that we get from Nami here. You know. She's like, she's upset, but obviously she's in disbelief. And she's Japanese. Dude, and Kaido. She's her ride or die. She's Japanese. She's the ride or Kaido, die. Kaido, bro. She's like, quit lying, bro. I don't believe you. You ain't shit. Ain't no way you beat my guy. You're shady as fuck. Like, I'm not going to listen to you. Yeah. Trying to break our spirits. Nothing can break Luffy. Oh, uh, no. She's the ride or die, shit. Like, oh, it was a short-lived dream. You can see the laws of pessimist. Like, man, this was good. Where, like, I like how it was like, at least one of you still had Moxie. And it's like, you're a liar. You ain't shit. Um, and then he tries to blast her. Marco's there. Save the day a little bit. Yep. Um, Marco comes in, blocks the blast breath with his Phoenix fire. Basically tells him, like, don't lose your composure. You know, not before it's all over. Like, fight to the last you know what i'm saying we're here at this point <laughs> it, don't I give mean, up yeah it ain't over till it's over and like let's be honest like giving like yamato was talking about it is like you know giving up is the ultimate loss because kaido is like telling him like man like i'm gonna enslave everybody i'm gonna kill everybody i'm gonna enslave everybody and that's just another slower form of death. Like, and he's like, that's what happens when you lose a war. And I'm like, damn, he's cold-blooded. He doesn't care about it. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Like, the speech he gave, you know, on 10 and 11 was, oh, man, just powerful. You know, Onigashima yeah. also landed upon the flower capital as originally planned. Unlike Orochi, I am no pushover. This entire country is one gigantic weapons factory. Women, children, I'll use them all. Everyone here is a slave. When you tire and fall apart, you'll simply die. It's all your life is worth. And there are more, always more replacements. You dared fight back against me and you have earned my wrath. This is what it means to lose a war. Dude. 
the cost of your defeat is freedom and hope. Like, yeah. People are always talking about like, oh, you know, One Piece isn't political. It's just a funny little series. I'm like, it's it's it has politics baked into its world building. Yeah. Like, just because y'all don't want to like, I don't know, stretch your brain a little bit, don't mean nothing. Yeah. Like he is the tyrant. He's a dragon hoarding wealth and like power to himself. You know, he's a tyrant, and tyrants don't deserve mercy. Yeah, that's been a core part of One Piece since since the beginning. Those who abuse and use others, give uh, you know they by doing so they give up their right to peace. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we basically you know get Kaido saying, "Bring Moa to me. Battle ain't over till I deal with him." Some random, like, fucko beast pirates trying to, like, take down Law and Kid. They're getting defended by their, like, their crewmates and shit. <clears throat> kind of going through a little bit more of this chaos throughout the castle. People just, like, moving and grooving, trying to run away from, like, rubble and fire and all kinds of shit. Um, weird that both Kid and Law kind of said they were, like, totally out of energy and unable to use any more of their mm-hmm. powers, and they both just get up and start doing it again, but that was cool to see the resolve from them, you know, mm-hmm. no surrender, no going out without a peep. Kid is like, nah, gee, I'm not. I'd rather die fighting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Kaido has literally given every single one of them, like, you have no reason to give up. There's yeah. nothing good in giving up. Stopping, you might as well just fight until you die. Like, he's cornered them. He's mentally cornered them. Hardcore. Yeah. Um, and then... And... What were you going to say? Yeah, like, even, like, Yamato and Momo have that conversation where it's Ooh. just like, no, like, there's no point in survival living a life of servitude and slavery you know counting the day down the days to death surrender is not the same as salvation this is what the daimyo from all over wano did and when they gave their lives fighting back against roji the last 20 years of wano is riding upon this valley if you are going to let it go to waste then let us face death together yes and like i love that she is the catalyst to like stealing his resolve to be a true dragon a true you know king yep <clears throat> and then um that moves us into the last bit of the chapter here i guess where zunisha talks to momonosuke we get you know panels of luffy but bump his heart starts back up and um or maybe not starts back up. Maybe we just like hear it beat. If maybe it, maybe it never stopped. But Zunisha says, "Momonosuke, I can hear it. How long it's been? What is it, Zunisha? I hear the drums of liberation for the first time in eight hundred years. He is here. Who is? Joy Boy has returned, and we get a panel of Luffy, all melty, melty and gooey." So obviously this correlates with the gum gum fruit, um, yeah. you know, being uh, a fruit of a different name, 
that has not been awakened in 800 years. We can obviously assume this is Joy Boy's past fruit. We know through, you know, via the Marimaranomi that uh, fruit users will is kind of, you know, inherited through eating that fruit. Like we've gotten dialogue from Sabo about, oh, Ace feels this way. So I like, I had no choice in, in burning your bitch ass, you know, so... We know that the will of the previous user is kind of inherited when eating this fruit. We don't know that there has not been another user since Joy Boy in between him and mm -hmm. Luffy. Um, yeah. It could be, I guess, presumed since the government was kind of protecting it. You know, maybe Shanks was the first person to get it away from him. Yeah, um, I feel like that's the case. Like, is it truly the gum gum fruit because they were talking Ooh. about how they changed the name of the fruit to hide yep. its true nature exactly so what exactly is the gum gum fruit like what is it really people are thinking maybe it's like the uh the resin fruit resin resin or something like that because oh like oh because gum rubber is made from sap yeah and so is resin so it might be like the sap sap fruit sap was something i thought as well um and that has been speculated upon on the internet and stuff like that i'm trying to find because that tracks uh that's kind of cool though like it reminds that's like like almost like a jurassic park like reincarnation you know like it's trapped in sap and resin like those like mosquito fossils yep and so like he's coming back um, so I was wondering if Zunisha is like to blame, like part like part of the catalyst of this transformation, because he has the same eyes as like Luffy's dead eyes, and then his eyes glow as Joy Boy is returning. Yeah. So does like Zunisha have like a soul based ability? Um, she's tied to Joy Boy. It's implied that Joy Boy is the one who kind of gave her the command to walk around. Um, hmm. So I found this picture I saved because it pertains to the, the fruit situation. Um, so they're saying the resin devil fruit, the juicy, juicy no me. And the fruit awakened in chapter 1043, obviously. And 10 is Jew. 4 is she. And then 3 is me which can also be fruit obviously we know what? that we know that oda is uh a sucker for number patterns he uses them often in the series so that tracks definitely he loves codes and they're saying uh, another point in this i won't really go too far there's some other stuff that references like some of oda's favorite scenes in the series and some other shit but um basically they're saying resin properties fit with luffy's devil fruit power uh, resin is a chemical compound isolated from plants or animals in nature. Resin has always, number one, resin has uh, an amber state where it's stretchy, Luffy's base form. Resin becomes soft upon heating. Gear two, resin burns with a smoky flame when ignited. Red attacks like gear um, Red Hawk and shit. Resin oh. can be hardened. Gear four, and resin is also an insulator. Epoxy resins are widely used as insulators, so that tracks as far as the NL situation goes. 
Okay, you know what? That tracks. I like that. I like that a lot. Because, like, it's both... They're both plant products. Mm-hmm. So, like, sap, sap, fruit for me. Like, that's where I'm at. Um, but, like, yeah, resin works as well. Um, because, I mean, resin is just another word for sap. It's a synonym. Um, that's crazy. Do you think that this is, um, like... Because, like, even Kaido was just like, you're not Joy Boy. I thought you were him. You know, like, the reincarnation thing. So, like, even Kaido thought he was. But then... I wonder if, like, Zunisha is waiting for, like, the right conditions, right? Because, like, Onigashima is going through... Like, the flower capital is having this celebration. There's drums, the taiko sticks, and all that stuff. The fact that there is, like, this war and Onigashima going on... And the stakes are enslavement. So the drums of liberation might be kind of like these area conditions are met. And then that restarts Kaido, like not restart, restarts Luffy's heart. And his heart is like the drum of liberation. It's still pounding. He's still living. But like the conditions of things like the threat of slavery and then the celebration of the flower capital as well and this fight i don't know my, like I, I just feel like it's very symbolic and I, I wonder if there was a conditions to like reincarnation hmm um i don't know that it's necessarily reincarnation like this is still luffy yeah maybe because like you can't hear his voice if we have trafalgar like, talk about, like, oh, is this a new voice? Like, if this is Joy Boy's voice, where he's, like, overridden the vessel for now? Like, I wonder. I'm very curious, to be honest. Hmm. I don't, I, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know that that's it. I definitely wouldn't like that. But, you know, I guess, you know, obviously that doesn't have any bearing on what will happen. I would not like to see that. I, I, I think this should still be Luffy. I wouldn't like to see a new person, a new character here, or a new personality. Yeah. I wonder if it's, like, the impulse, but because, like, Luffy is, like, beaten into unconsciousness in, like, a near-death state, I think that, like, Joy Boy might be, like, temporarily overriding his body. Maybe. And then as it goes on, like, Luffy's consciousness, like, is rekindled and, like there's that element because you know you said it yourself like oh no ace felt this way that's why i gotta burn you yeah so like maybe this is like joy boys impulses kind of driving the body as you know that that's cool i mean that's this has been a long time coming the joy yeah. boy thing that's that's so cool. Like and I'm I, really excited to see the payoff on this. Yeah, and I, I I don't know. I heard you know through the grapevine, I guess that just you know in certain areas of social media, people were upset about this, you know, and they felt like it was ass pulley. And it's like, yo, if you didn't think, if you didn't have a sneaking suspicion that fucking Luffy was Joy Boy, I don't know what the fuck you've been reading. First yeah. of all, first off. And like obviously there's been a lot there's been a lot of fucking reference to that situation. Like in this arc alone, we've gotten like the Odin stuff. 
We literally got like Raftel shit, Laftel shit. We literally got One Piece shit, Sun God Nika shit, fucking mm-hmm. Joy Boy shit. Like it's all been ramping up to this shit. So I don't know. Like Man. it is, you know, it is the only ass pulley thing about it is that like he got knocked the fuck out by Kaido and now he's getting his awakening, you know, which is kind of weird, but. I I, fa- I have faith that Oda can make it make sense, you know, as far as, like, what happened in this kind of limbo state where Luffy's at right now, you know. Whatever subconscious, possibly, you know, interaction he had with Joy Boy, or maybe that'd be interesting if he had, like, some sort of out-of-body experience where he meets Joy Boy, you know. Previous owner of the fruit, and he, I don't know, I don't know. You never know what the fuck could mm-hmm. happen. It's Oda, man. But I have faith that he'll make it make sense, you know? Yeah, no. I, I'm, I'm excited for this. Like, the thing is, like, even Kaido thought that Luffy was potentially Joy Boy. You know? So, like, if the guy that's been afraid of Joy Boy... Like, like, like King was just like, oh, you... Like, like King and Kaido were like, you think I'm Joy Boy? You think the world I'm trying to build is going to be like that? Nah, dude, I, that ain't me. Right. You know, it's like, that's there. Like, for me, it makes sense. Um, and, like, we've already had, like, the Grim Reaper figure with, like, Zoro, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I kind of want to see the Grim Reaper figure thing with, like, Joy Boy a little bit. Like, I don't know, man. This is a really cool, like... I think metaphysically just a very interesting setup like I have no idea what this means but like I'm fascinated to find out yeah and I think Momonosuke is flying up to Luffy right now Mm -hmm. based on like his seemed trajectory on page uh, 16 seems like he's kind of headed up towards the roof to see what happened up there Mm -hmm. um or even like go confront Kaido like Yamato was talking about. I think I think so. Like I think he he and Yamato are like going off to like fight and face Kaido, death together. And then they're they're gonna face death together, and then ah, that's cool because they're gonna face death together. And what if they run into the Grim Reaper standing over Luffy's body and they just strike it down, and then this Joy Boy reincarnation. Luffy fusion like rises that'd be cool that'd be cool as fuck because like Yamato is supposed to be like a protector spirit like their Okami wolf thing so like part of me is like oh yeah yeah I think this is because they're like a supernatural debate their name and like ability are based off a supernatural deity that like could fight an entity like death yeah 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 like a guardian of life you know yeah that could definitely be interesting but uh, I don't know. I think that's about all I had for this chapter of One Piece. This is heavy. I like this. Yeah, I can't I wait like for lot. can't wait for next chapter, man. This next chapter is gonna be heat. But yeah, I think uh, that about does it for One Piece, and that will do it for this episode of the Project Manga Podcast. 
Thank you all so much for watching if you did. Be sure to slap a like on this video if you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the channel as well for more fire-ass weekly content. Make sure you hit us down in the comment section down below. Let us know what you thought of this weekend jump or, you know, if you had, if there's anything you thought we missed or anything else, you know, chop it up with us down there. Also, as we said before, please check that description box down below where you can find links to any and all of our individual social media accounts such as Twitter, online communities like Discord, audio listening platforms to consume the podcast on, as well as ways to support the podcast like our online store or our Patreon. And with all those words said, this will be another stupendous episode of the Project Manga Podcast wrapping up. I'm your host, Eagle. And I'm Melo Yenis. Sarabada.